Our new partner who I'm really, really excited to announce we are working with. Super, super stoked. Thank you, Angie Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens. I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically, take one scoop and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this, it's so good for my digestion, my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. This has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life, and ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it, and I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens, but I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste, and the taste is actually really refreshing, and I really look forward to it each morning. Don't, don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good, um, and it's good for you, so remember that. This one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible, just one scoop, especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens. You can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some to my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer, and he had, he had those every single day. He said it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a, a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving and you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash OLLC. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash OLLC to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meats, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit athleticgreens.com slash OLLC. And get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash OLOC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love what you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. And if you want to get water, liquid death water, go to amazon.com. But for merchandise and other things that's not water, go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby and get free shipping. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Yeah. Check, check. Okay, microphone check. Yeah, yeah. Check, check, Everybody check. check. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the One Life Unchained <laughs> podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. 
I got my brother from another mother here today, Mr. Derek Green. Thank you for being here. Hi, Toby. Love having you. Thanks and as for I've having noticed me. lately, a lot of the listeners love having you. They love having your voice. They love your questions. Well, I love being here. So thanks for having me. And you're a great me. asset to the that. pod, so I appreciate you being here. Word. I'm going to be going on tour soon and I'll leave you behind like you did for me last summer. But <laughs> I've been waiting three years to go on tour. <laughs> Hopefully not too long. And today we have Mr. Winston McCall. I said, James. That is. Okay. That's my name, man. Parkway Drive. Yeah. Thank you for being <laughs> <laughs> Always fuck up names. Thank he you. usually does. Yeah. Thank you That's for being here, man. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I've seen you guys perform. Maybe a lot, somewhere on tour, we, we, we played a festival with you guys. Yeah, you got to lie. Come on. No, man. me and Max watched him. <laughs> I forgot where it was. We watched from a certain watching section. I don't know if it was raining or not. Oh, we played a festival with you sometime somewhere, but yeah. Thanks I know we've there. crossed paths before. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I, I'm, I was remembering somewhere. I'm pretty certain we crossed paths years ago in Japan. Whoa. Okay. Can you, do you, did, were you guys on that? There was like a Japanese festival, which was majority of New York hardcore bands. Yes. Remember that? Yes. It was like... I forgot the name. Uh, I, t- I have the name. Oh, I have it on my It wall. was the wildest lineup ever. It was it's like <laughs> H2O, yep. Bouncing Souls, Madball, Sick of It All, Madball, Hazen Street. Harley's War. Harley's War, <laughs> Harley's oh, War wow. man. Yo, you were on that? Okay, we were on that day, because right. we were like, this is basically all of New York hardcore's <laughs> history right here. <laughs> and then Parkway. Like, what are we doing on here? And then there was a bunch of like, oh, there was like Loyal to the Grave and Sand that. and a whole bunch of Japanese hardcore bands. And oh my God, we talked was a about, it was a crazy festival. So weird. So So you did weird. all the festival shows you had? It was a couple shows, right? No, we only did one. We did okay. like one off show the day before that and then that show. And it was the biggest trip out for us. And it was, it was just so strange because like we stuck out like a sore thumb, but at the same point in time, I'm like, this is all of my New York hardcore dreams coming true on the one gig <laughs> in Tokyo. <laughs> of all like places. Two, two Murphy's Law, Underdog. Yeah, wow. Underdog, Underdog. Man. Underdog. Really? No, yeah, dude. dude. Wow. Yeah. I think Sick of It All was on there too. Yeah, Sick of It All were there. Yeah. Yeah, Harley's War. Bro, wow. it was crazy, man. Yep. I know the name begins with an M. I'm, I'll pull it out later in my head. The name of the festival. Yeah. Magma. Magma Festival. Magma. That's it. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> it was it was weird, like big blow up things there and all kinds of. So strange, man. It's a good show though. It's a yeah, good crowd. It was great. I just yeah, I've got so many funny memories from that. But I was just like, holy crap, that's where it, yeah, that's the first show we would have played together because we would have been wow. like a band for like three years at that point. <laughs> wow, man. So there you go. There's a blast from the past. <laughs> Welcome. So you haven't been in LA in like four years. You were saying, yeah, huh? four years, man. Four years. Wow. And yeah. this is like your real your tour is kicking off tonight in Los Angeles. Yeah. So thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Um, <laughs> it's your first kind of tour in a while, right? Yeah, we we did like we did Europe a couple of months ago for the first one back, which was a full-on headspin as well yeah. um and this is our first stateside one and we're still like easing back into just the concept of touring again what was like, uh, so trippy about doing it was just weird like coming back after the three like we literally did one show in three and a half years and then we come back to our first tour back in europe and it was like it was arenas as well and you go wow. from like oh you you don't see people for like three and a half years, mm-hmm. you're so disconnected from this thing that you've been doing for 17 years straight. And then all of a sudden you're doing an arena gig as your first one back. It was just crazy. Like, yeah. Just odd, like amazing. But you've got that, the oddness of all of a sudden being around a crowd for the first time in a exactly, long time. Yeah. But the energy, like the energy of it, you forget it, it really all bled out of like, I'm, I'm speaking for me, but I know for the rest of the band, like that muscle memory of standing right. on stage, yeah. you, know, you know that energy that comes back mm-hmm. at you. And that, I'd forgotten what it actually felt like. Mm-hmm. And then you stand on stage in a situation like that and feel it 
from having it's not like you've got tour after tour after tour like yeah. you've built up to it a little bit it's just like bang straight in the face like here it is and it's like I was floored we were all completely floored of just like this is what it, what it is that we do like I've never right. had like a clean a clean slate like that you've mm. got 17 years from starting a band mm-hmm. playing thousands of gigs where you become accustomed to just the feeling of being on stage and having an audience there and that energy and the vibe that builds up yeah and even though it gets it gets bigger or it stays the same it, it, it it's incremental it's not just like zero to a hundred and this was like zero yeah. to a thousand yeah. and it just like just punched me in the head in a really awesome way but yeah. like i was like whoa so i'm still in that mindset because obviously you have like you're home with your home with your wife you're surfing you're living your life and you're off tour you're making the best of the situation we were in and then because i've been touring he's been touring a bunch the Mm. past year year and a half because he was home straight like me as well yeah i haven't been to europe in three years i'm going there in march i cannot wait oh yeah and so like you don't realize that part of you that's missing Yep. Yeah, that's it. Definitely. Because you're trying to survive during the past couple of years. Like, if you're right. just kind of sitting still for the first time and not touring. Yeah. Like, what is my purpose? Right. What am yeah. I doing besides skating or surfing or it, whatever It's else? a weird feeling, man, because you feel almost like you have to reinvent yourself in a way. I thought it would be, like, so easy yep. to snap back. I was like, oh, I better once everything starts flowing, I'll be right back in the mix. And it's like, no. Everything has changed. Everything's different. Yeah. That energy is you appreciate it much more. Yes. And and I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah, where it's man. just like mind-blowing, where you're trying to get your mind around it, like, this is what I do. And yeah. It's, it, it's it's insane, because you really, it's You forget, shocking. kind of? Kind you of forget, I right? mean, you kind of do, but it's just, it's shocking. Feeling. Yeah, but you're right. You do kind of forget certain things, certain movements, and then... I just found myself like starting from scratch. Like scratch, you said, man. It's just like, okay, what am I going to do? It's, it's like reborn into being on stage again. It's yeah. It's a weird, yeah. weird feeling. It's being reborn into yeah. the art that you could, <laughs> right. like, you're finding a new place within your own art. It's, yeah. which is a, such a bizarre yeah. concept as like a creator or a co creator in like a, in an, in an art form that's really personal. And all, all of a sudden it's like, nope, you don't exist there anymore. Yeah. But then you're, you're thrown back into the situation and, you're able to reinterpret it. Yeah. It's like you're, you're your own remix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then going from like barely no human connection, just friends and family, yeah. to like thousands of strangers and just people that love your band, love yeah. your music. And that be, connection is... It's s- intense. It can be so a little overwhelming at first, but then you get really into it. You but know? so essential. It's oh, it is yeah. essential, Do you know absolutely. what I'm saying? Like yeah. When they were breaking down all the essentials of what's next to come back, I know music at the bottom of the totem pole. I was like, when's music coming back? <laughs> oh, dude. Because it brings yeah. people together. Yeah, of and course. It, and it, it fixes your heart and your soul. and it make, I don't mm. know, man. It's so important. Oh, 100%. It's, mm. it's, man, mu- music is there to give voice to what you ha- don't have the ability to give voice to in your own language, yeah. with your own physicality, with your own emotion. Like, music is the way of, of giving that that part of you that emotional piece space and outlet and when you like when you're stuck in like a constant cycle of trauma which was what COVID was about knowing yeah. everything and you don't even have a way of being able to express yourself man like get it out how did you like how did people not figure out how important it was that like that this should be something which is given like more of a priority in terms of mental health mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's, it's so so crazy that yeah, it's, that's a great point like no no just like 
the mental health side of things of all of this stuff that's going on is is nuts um in the first place but like yeah what what music gives for people in terms of yeah that that aspect of um of clarity and healing and catharsis and all of that is it's it's priceless like that's why yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, besides this the communal part of things like that's why music exists man yeah because i know it does for us for the music we listen to we're into you know what i mean if we feel the same way yeah the, the way people feel about our bands you know what i mean like we, we listen to the music and the lyrics and how it changed our lives and inspired us and get us through hard times the same record the same song you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah it's so it's so crazy well, I'm glad we're here and talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah man. Oh, Dan Smith says hi, by the way. Oh, too. yeah. Awesome. He wanted me what to up, Dan? He, he Haven't be, seen him in years. He wanted me to bring up something about eating something or growing up and hanging out in your town, your parents making ginger nectar. Yes. <laughs> I'm so the, proud that he remembers that. <laughs> yeah, boy. He misses those memories. You oh, know that's I mean? great. Yeah, yeah. And about how your town, Byron Bay, how it became, it was, like a, it was like a small town, but now it's like a really popular place. Oh, dude, it's nuts. Oh, uh, yeah. You want the story of Byron? Holy yeah, yeah. crap. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Dan, that's where you were born and raised? Um, I was actually born in Sydney. Okay. Uh, um, I moved to Byron when I was seven, I think. So I've spent most of my life there. You got siblings too? Uh, yeah, yeah, brother and sister, cool. um, twins. They're oh, awesome. nice. Yeah, yeah. My brother um, was in a hardcore band in Australia. Identical called 50 or different? Lines. No, not identical. Look completely different as well. Right. Older brother, younger. What's younger. It, what so was his band called? Um, his band's called Fifty Lions. I might heard that name for sure. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 not active anymore, but they're okay. really fucking good, really good. Um, so our town like was the escape for like. A, my parents generation like who grew up in the cities and everything it's like it is beautiful it's yeah, a it it's a really beautiful part of the world it's um it's right on this in this area of coastline where it's like subtropical there's a rim of like these mountains which is around the core of this extinct volcano which is stunning wow. the beaches are stunning crystal blue water like it's on this cape that whales migrate every year it's nuts so a lot of people went there like there's really good surf a lot of people went there for the surf originally it was like screw working in the city i'm just going to go there and i'm going to surf and i'm going to live, live off basically government welfare <laughs> which is called the dole in australia wow. and that's what it was known for like right. when it when it uh, when it, like in the 80s and early i think 90s. my son's going to move there yeah Sounds dude <laughs> it, like it had a reputation for a long period of time of like there would be news shows constantly doing like it had the highest unemployment rate in the country oh, wow. oh, and people would just have no job and surf. Well, that and would be a problem after a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally like, I mean. it was, it was, it was nuts. Like when we, when we grew up, like there was only a high school and like, I think it started in the early nineties or something. It's the first time we even had a high school in the wow. area. Um, so you had no way of getting out of the town really. Like if you wanted to live there, you subscribe to the fact that you were, just going to live that life forever you're going to live in a caravan or a, wow. Wow. Or a little beach shack for the rest of your life and you'd, you'd wash dishes and you'd make coffee or you'd like run a surf camp or something like that and that was kind of it or you'd leave and you'd go to the, the big city so we spent our lives like trying to get the fuck out of there okay it was really nuts like right. we grew up we all grew up just at the beach surfing but you knew that there was nothing there for you and then we started this band and it just kind of rolled on into this thing which is why we're just like hey let's just go with this because we've got no hope of doing anything in our you own You started town. it there? Yeah, we started in Byron. Yeah. Was, was there is there like a music scene there? No, so yeah. here's the story. <laughs> this is like Dan's part of this as well. There was nothing Day of Contempt, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Day of Contempt. So they were they were very early on in the piece of bands coming to our town. So what what happened was we um we had really nothing. Like it's a tourist town 
and when it's a tourist town, most of the industry is aimed towards the people who are coming to spend money, which is obviously yeah. adults. Yes. There was no entertainment for the youth. It was like uh, we all right. started drinking when we were like 14, this wow. kind of thing. You'd just get hammered in the park and you'd surf, and that okay. was it. Mm. It's literally all it was. Um, and then like punk rock became massive because punk rock was the soundtrack to all the surfing movies at that point in time. Taylor Steele just putting it on. Dude, so I was on one of those soundtracks. Yeah, there you go, man. There you go. Wow, Fletcher got us on one of those. Thank yeah. you, Fletcher Pennywise. There you go. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so that was huge. And then that led into hardcore because like slowly the music like became less like punk became less cutting edge in terms of your adrenaline. You went for something a little harder, a little mm. faster and it kind of became the avenue into hardcore. And, Interesting. Um, and why there was one band in town, which was who were called Think Straight, who were a punk rock band who turned into a hardcore band, and that was our guitarist's band. Um, Think Straight. Think Straight. Yeah. Cool name. weren't actually a straight edge band, but called Think Straight anyway. <laughs> and um, we slowly started putting on shows um, in our town, and there was like ten people or something like that would come to these gigs in just halls because we had no venues. Yeah. Um, a couple of bands toured through the pub occasionally i think there was like toe-to-toe and 59 times i remember toe-to-toe we played with him a bunch too yeah yeah so they came Legends. through like once i think and it was at the pub and everyone sat like out the back in the gutter listening through the wall because you couldn't get into the pub because we were too young wow and then uh eventually like uh graham nixon from resist records sent one of his bands up called irrelevant and um put on a show in our town in a hall and there was i don't know it would have been a hundred kids which seemed mental at that point in time we were like who are all these people they're circle pitting people are stage diving what is this thing it was like first full on hardcore show we'd ever had and from that point on we're like holy crap we can do this thing we can put on shows ourselves so we had like a group of about four of us who were between the ages of 16 and 19 who just started putting on shows and the local youth center um, the girl that ran that at that point in time was like nothing happens in this shed you can guys can put a show on here if you want we found a sound guy from like up in the hills who had a pa and we'd hire him out for like whatever we could afford like 200 bucks for the night he'd set the pa up floor show local bands would play and then graham started sending more bands our way and dad Dad contempt started touring like came through and it turned into this proper scene to the point where um any international tour that came through australia would be like the major cities it would be like Melbourne, Adelaide, Sydney, Brisbane, and then Byron Bay. <laughs> and it was so, cool, it was so wild because like they'd get to Byron and just go, the fuck is this? Like there's this, we're in this tiny town. It's beautiful. There's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's this shed just across the road from the beach. It's literally a fucking shed. No air conditioning, no stage, wow. PA set up, 300 kids rammed into this thing losing their minds like scaling the walls of like the roller doors swinging off the off the fans like stage diving off the pa stacks and like the bands would just go what the fuck was that place like what <laughs> what, what was this show out of the water 100 percent. yeah it was nuts and we just got this crazy reputation for it would have been about 10 years that the scene ran for like that of just like insane shows for any band that rocked up and because the kids had nothing and we built it for ourselves. There was yeah. a lot of ownership around it and a lot of pride around it. And it was run really, really, really well. Like there was never fights, nothing nothing shitty ever went down. It was, hey, instead of going to get hammered in the park, go to a gig. Like you just put on a show and a band, yeah. a band's touring at some point in time and then 
band sprung up and yeah like that's that's kind of what it was we like, so i've kept you there for a while then longer than you probably thought you'd be there for uh no actually were you young? We, how old are you then well i would have been i think i was about 20 by, oh, the, time okay. we, by okay. the time we left there was a couple of years that we got it running for yeah and then we kept it running while we we're in the band and then when the band started touring we literally like handed it down to a, another generation um and, awesome, they, and they kept it running which was it was a really wild time. It was a really, really wild time. The only thing that took us kind of away from keeping it going was just the fact that Parkway started touring internationally. And we yeah. could, we just couldn't have the boots on the ground to slap flyers up and do all the shit you had to do before social media existed. Exactly. <laughs> Literally walk, knock on someone's door and go, yo, there's a band touring in two weeks' time. Turn up. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Yeah. I love shit like that. Yeah. It's like super small town stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I mean, really like honored and privileged to actually have that experience. Because mm-hmm. that's that that doesn't exist in that capacity anymore. No, nah. it just doesn't. Like the technology has changed the way that you function in a society, and that goes for the way totally. gigs are put on. So, yeah, yeah. what were you gonna say, Derek? Uh, how did you meet the guys in your band? Like, were they in the surf scene or high school? Or high school. Yeah, high school and surf. Like, okay. we're all surfers, mm-hmm. and we're all at high school. And like the the, t- the town, like the when we grew up, there was less than five thousand people in the whole town. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. So like, I think the high school had. About eight hundred people in the whole thing. Real um, small, man. Really, really, really small. Like you know right. most of the town's name, <laughs> kind of thing. You know everyone in the surf, right? And we we're all like, we we're just the ones interested in that kind of music. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, do you guys come yeah. off like the town weirdos, like having the shows? It did that bring weird attention to that little shack? To a degree, like it was, <laughs> but but people appreciated it. Like the, lo- yeah. the local, there was either the people who got pissed off because it was loud and they lived near it, and okay. were just like turn it down it's a th- it was always on a thursday night right it was never a weekend because like the major cities would get the weekend and we'd get the thursday ah. so it's like midweek and we'd be like we'd be done by 10 but the police would always rock up because there'd be a sound complaint and that but they'd rock up and they'd be like we know what time you're going to shut down we just have to be here because one of the neighbors has complained but we'd much rather everyone be here yeah. and doing doing this right. then be down in the down in the park smashed and us having to pull like take someone down totally. the station yeah, so everyone kind of kind of backed it which was 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 really cool we li- literally like everyone kind of understood like the parents all understood because once they got where their kids were going to and their kids came home safe yeah i mean we like in the 90s there was it, it was an area where it was sketchy as hell man like there was big drug problems, everything that got, went along with the 90s in terms of like the culture of outsiderness and um, everything from, yeah, substance abuse to yeah. like cults and crazy shit within yeah. the town. Um, yeah, dude, for real. Like, not like weird. Just weird, crazy, like, fuck, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know how to like, <laughs> put, like, I'm not going to say murderous cults, but dodgy dodgy stuff okay like right. super dodgy like this is like stuff where, like you know when like communal living can go wrong yeah mm. that kind of stuff like we're living in, in a place where the the mountains surrounding the town right. are like anything could go on up there yeah. man. It, it's just jungle what's dude. happening in the mountains yeah, what's yeah, happening yeah. in the mountains man yeah so um so yeah, yeah that's kind of but we, we'd never really had a super thing of otherness because like everyone just got on board with what was going on to be honest yeah I, they I, just, yeah the only the only otherness the really random thing was like that the town's perception of who the band itself was never changed from that and the band became quite large and the the town was the last ones to actually understand how big the band it's usually became how, it's usually how it happened yeah, yeah. So, wow. it's so, way. yeah it's so strange so like we it, because it became a massive tourist hotspot um 
we got a lot of especially like europeans coming as well and we put out a lot of like we put out a lot of media in terms of like we put out two dvds and stuff um yeah which showed our town and people and like we're really big in Europe and they'd go, I'm going to come to Byron when I come to Australia. Mm-hmm. And we brought um, some tur- tourist people. Dude, we, we brought <laughs> tourists to our town and <laughs> you'd be you like walking around, walking around the supermarket getting like photos taken and going, oh my God, you're Winston from Parkway Drive. Man. Wow. Take the photo and I'm like, in front of the in front of the dairy section. All right, ger- let's go, man. Was that a German? That was I don't know. It was, that was I'm sorry, oh anyone God, listening in Germany. Yeah, just some random dudes in your town wearing your shirts, walking around it's like, like yeah, we are making party. Yeah, we <laughs> need to be back in Stuttgart in time to see Kraftwerk. So kind of put that kind of put that town on the map in a sense. Yeah, in that way until until the pandemic hit. So that's when it got really really crazy. Like it, it, what happened in the pandemic was um, everything like Australia got locked down. People in the major cities got locked down. It was gnarly. Byron itself, they just, they stopped. And if, unless you had a Byron Bay driver's license, you couldn't come into the town. There's two roads into the town. They literally just blocked it off. Wow. Nothing going on, like no sickness or anything like that. The surf's pumping, the way, the, the sun's shining every single day. And we're just like, all right, let's just, Let's just roll with this. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the rest of Australia is going through the fear and the craziness yeah. and they're seeing the way we're living. <laughs> and they're like, well, I've got like $10 million worth of real estate in Sydney or Melbourne. Why don't I just sell that and go and spend um, a tenth of that in that little town and live without any fear of this ever happening again? Wow. And all of a sudden, Zoom's taking off and everything like that. You don't have to be in a major hub to have a job. And as soon as the lockdowns lifted, our town went from like this little tourist de- destination to like millions of dollars wow. flowing into it. Wow. It was it is interesting. nuts. Like fucking mental. It went from like the play. We watched real estate go from, I don't even know, like you, it, the, the median real estate price. It went from like you could you could get you could get a decent house for like six six hundred thousand dollars kind of thing to you need three million dollars just to get into the market within the space of twelve months. Wow. There's places going for like that were going for that previously I were in a really nice place, like it was already a nice area of Australia that people are like that's pretty prestigious. Like you need like four mil to get in there. Twenty million dollars. <laughs> wow! <laughs> it man. turned into like for, it went from like millionaire money, money to billionaire money, and then while the, when it got locked down again, half of Hollywood saw that shit going on and moved to the town to make their movies, and they started making movies out the back of like um, <laughs> what's that Perfect Strangers series or whatever Nicole oh, yeah, Kidman yeah. that was great. Seven Perfect Strangers yeah that it, was like, that was shot out the back of Byron like all of that is that's wow. that's all our hinterland all of that shit didn't know that cult stuff there we go okay. <laughs> um, yeah but a lot of a lot of that happened and a lot of people just it became the place to just buy real estate for equity's sake and it hasn't gone back it's just gone it right. went Bonkers. absolutely ballistic they made a reality TV show I'm and sure. put it on Netflix just yeah. about influences in our town no <laughs> way yeah man. it's called byron bay's check it out it makes you really cringe yeah. <laughs> they usually do yeah, no, yeah. yeah so are yeah. you still there yeah we're still there okay cool, cool. yeah we're, we're all still there and i don't ever want to leave like it's 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 i get it i get why people like right. i've always i've been everywhere on the planet and i still come back there and i'm like this is it's it's it's, it's, be- it's beautiful yeah. Yeah. i love still, yeah i love living here it's just it's just no one could have predicted that happening like not not to that and not right. to that speed of happening. It was just cr- 
That the, is really crazy. Yeah, I, man. I'm, it was I'm weird. So curious, like how you got people to hear your band coming from such a small. Part, <laughs> yeah, dude. You know, like that's a, did, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, especially for like young bands. Yeah, and anyone man. Listening, that because I don't know. And I'm in a band, like, how yeah. would you go about... Oh, dude, it was so... <laughs> it was a really interesting thing for us. Is that pre-internet too? Is that yeah, pre-social it's yeah. pre-social media. Okay, okay. okay. So our thing in Australia was just play. All right. Play everywhere. Um, so oh, so you were playing outside of... Outside Byron. of Byron. Okay. Oh, yeah. We were touring oh, okay. Australia. So basically, what happened wasn't, like, Deck and Tempt, we played with them plenty of places. Like, the Australian hardcore scene kind of took off at the same time as Byron was taking off. Mm. Yeah. It just became the, the the kind of thing like that was happening around like especially high school mm. age people were getting into this kind of music. Yeah. Um and it started picking up some momentum. So we started touring within 6 months of being in a band. Um we went on tour with a band called Lucky La Prom Queen who like yeah. they gave us our first in like uh, their their original singer Michael Crafter like happened to be at in Byron dating a girl for some random reason. We didn't know him. He was dating one of our friends at that point in time, came to Byron and came to one of our rehearsals and then we were like two days later, we were playing our first show and it was like, he freaked out for some reason. We didn't know why. It was just like, this band's really good. And we're like, fucking bullshit, dude. You're in a, you're in one of the biggest bands in the country. You can pull 200 people to a show. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So yeah, like it was weird. We we like we play our first show in the in the youth center, and we're like, "Cool, that's right. sick." And then like two weeks later, he's like, "Prom Queen are going to do a split like EP. We want to do it with you." And we're like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Like we've been a band for like six months. We know who you are. We like we look up to everything you're doing. Like that's crazy. And he's like, "No, for real." And nice. we're like, "Shit!" So we went into a studio and recorded a couple of songs, and then from there, toured the EP, and we just never stopped touring. Mm -hmm. And wow. we were very like we loved it so much because. For us, it was just an adventure. Like it really was. Uh, we're going to places, especially when you're a surfer. You're not going to yeah. go to Melbourne. There's no surf in Melbourne. You're going to go and play Canberra and like play somewhere that's not somewhere that doesn't have waves. You're never going right. to go there in your life. So we're we're just like adventure time. Like we've got we like our guitarist Jeff bought a van so we could tour in it. And like this is this isn't like a sprinter. This is like Jeez. a high ace, yeah. like high Toyota high ace, six seater. Way before Sprint. Dude, it took us three wow. days to drive You're to right. Melbourne. Like three days to drive to Melbourne, and and we and we we didn't realize that like you need to have a little bit of comfort. Like so, maybe don't invite and like fill every seat in the van with your you mates who are yeah. just going to mosh to make you feel a bit better because you're like no one's going to know who we are. So if you bring three mates, they'll gonna, set it like, off first. They'll set it off first. Yeah. So so that's the way we toured. Um, and we just we just did that, and we found that every time we we played, we got a response of some some way. It was just like exposure, yeah. And it just kind of kept going, so we never said no to an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Every time there was a chance to do something, no matter how hard it was to get there, we just go, right? And we just play because you couldn't like MySpace had not been invented yet. Yeah. <laughs> it literally hadn't been right. invented. It was message boards message at best. Yeah. Right. Or it was a flyer that right. someone had stuck up. Like if you didn't do the flyers for the show, like within a right. week of the show, half the amount of people would turn up to your gig. So yeah. it really was like proper DIY shit. Mm -hmm. um, what so year was this around? Like 2003? 2002, 2003? And, yeah, and this so. is your first time singing in the band? Any, any band? Uh, seeing other bands? Yeah. Oh, no, no we, singing, singing. In oh, a band. singing. I sung. No, first band. I sung in a band before that called uh, Blueprint for a Nightmare, and okay. that, and that was myself and Parkway's drummer. Okay. And we were we literally started because 
Luke and things like Luke from Think Straight shut down because they drove in a van around Australia looking for surf. So we were like, well, we need another band. So let's start a, <laughs> let's just start a band to keep the scene going. And it was pretty bad, but this okay. was just a, this was our second band. Like it's wow. our our lead guitarist Jeff's first band he's ever been in. And the name comes uh, from your, your practice spots? Yeah, it's the street. It's the street, yeah. Okay. It's, it's literally the street. That's so cool. It's just a, huh. Yeah. It was, that, that was <laughs> it. We're like, when, when we came to click names, we're like, it's like... Park Ridge Drive, that's where they practice. That's it, man. It's literally it. Like something bad happened there, and that's where it all went down. Yeah, no. that's where it all went down. <laughs> <laughs> that's where it began. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, that's it. And, and that's still a, still, a spit, still a spot? Yeah, street sign out there. That's the nice. most stolen street sign in the entire country. Wow. Oh, fuck yeah. Like the local the local council tried to buy us out of our name so they didn't have to replace the sign so much they which is no understanding cool. of how things work they had no idea they were just like the f- this, this is like, banned no. and there's people keep coming and stealing the street sign and like it went through like them just replacing the street sign to them making a reinforced street sign that was like solid fucking steel this except someone came through with like a cutter and cut it off <laughs> And then they put it, then they put it on the power pole, so it was like thirty feet up in the air, still got stolen, and and that's when they were like, "Can you change your name?" And we we're like, "No, nah, sorry, we ain't do, we're not that, doing that." So no, it's incredible. The so they the money. they painted it on the road in huge letters. And we're like, that's going to be a problem because at this point in time, people were coming and taking photos in front of the street sign. Oh, so right. instead of taking photos in front of the street sign, they started laying down in the road. Oh <laughs> and we're like, this is just so that sketchy. Like coming around a blind corner and there's like, I don't know, three three people from Switzerland lying in the middle of the road. Get so out of the street. Get the fuck out of the road. So, yeah, so now it's literally this tiny little thing painted on the side of the road. Literally so so delivery drivers know where to take delivery products oh to because people God. just started losing their mail. <laughs> wow, I think this dude. is absolutely should be an album cover. Oh, dude, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or like, what's yeah. the the Beatles walking across yeah, the yeah, Oh, yeah. walking across the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. If, if it happens, you get credit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. it back you know to what the else too? You know, you know like how there's like, um, there's a jury... No, they, these guys are alive. Oh, like there's a Joe Ramon Street. There's like a big yeah, yeah, avenue. Yeah, of course. Yeah. There's, there's an ACDC something lane. like that. If you touch it, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like a not prop, prop, property or owned by the city. I don't know something. It's important where you yeah. can't fuck with it. Yeah, we right. get in trouble yeah. somehow. It it's should be right. in bronze. It should be a bronze street Absolutely. sign or something. There's still people. Like, they come. They literally come to Byron just to go and see the street sign. I'm I, sure I, they do. It's think really the, rad. It's right. just a trip. And I think the more they change it, and the more rules they put on. More of these kids is going to take. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Hundred like percent challenge. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's kind of cool though. It's, it's still there, cool, and you're still there. It's amazing. Yeah, actually. I mean, yeah, it is. It's it's rad. Like I've, <laughs> I, I really enjoy the fact that we haven't had to. Like I love the fact that we've never had to compromise anything we've done. Like it's yeah. a, it's a it's a bit of big cool. thing for us. Of mm-hmm. like, we do it our way, mm-hmm. no matter what. And one of the things always was like it really did. Like when we st- started touring overseas for the first time, like people like. Why don't you move? Why don't you move to LA and just right, tour right. America a lot, and you can really focus on it? I'm like, you You're know like, what? Fuck I, America! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say we said that, okay, especially considering oh, I was, our tour. Yeah, we, we yeah. need an American accent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From him. yeah. <laughs> all right. But um, but we uh, like uh, we were all like, no, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna do it our way, and we're just gonna like. If it means flying for fucking twenty one hours yeah. just to get there, we'll get we'll do <laughs> that. If it means mission, that's such a hell flight. Man. But how, Dude, how did yeah. people hear about the band outside of Australia? Like, uh, when did that start to pick up? Like, that basically word of mouth, no? Yeah, it literally really? was. Word so of mouth. so I mean, here's what happened in Australia. Hardcore like that though. Yeah, what no, happened in no Australia facts. was we we toured our. <laughs> 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 It is. It's so underground, but yeah, it's really you're, not. You're right, but oh, I mean, dude! At that point in time, like, 
it was like when we first started going overseas was and where was the first time it was it was uk and europe and the way yourself i'm sorry yeah it was no it was like yeah this is what we did this is so so essentially we toured australia major cities Mm -hmm. and what like the band blew up pretty fucking fast wow it was this really crazy thing where like we became quite popular and then the second the second album we we put out happened to be no the first the first album that we put out happened to be like i don't know you know it was like the zeitgeist of every high school Mm. kind of thing where people knew about us enough that we were like you know what we've toured everywhere that people have toured let's tour when no one has toured Mm. so we literally Ah, booked these these runs we're like no one ever came to Byron before. Let's play every town like Byron in this country that we can go to. That's sick. So yeah, we're rocking up at these places where we call them like B markets or C markets. Oh, dude, markets yeah. in America. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. And, but at this point in time, it was no market. It was places that literally <laughs> no band, full stop, had that's been dope. to. Right. And you rock up, and we're like, we know how to do this. Like we got our own PA with us in a truck. We've got Smart. us and we've got our support bands and we're just going to rock up. You got your three friends to mosh. Got our three friends yeah. to mosh and that's it. And we're going to rock up at a just a space that we've booked at the community hall, oh. a church, a, like a patio or something and put on a, a patio, gig. I love that. Yeah, dude, we literally, we played a couple of patios and <laughs> it was, so and it was, sick. it was insane. Damn. But you, you super turn DIY, up, man. I love love super patios. DIY. And the thing is the kids in those towns felt the same way we did. Right. Originally, and they're like, "Someone's coming here. Someone cares they enough to actually notice. come yeah, here." Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were losing their shit. And then, by the time like the album comes out, I mean, most of the country's like high school age kids know who we are. I see. So they they they're paying attention, and like the next tour we do is just fucking mental, like mm-hmm. fully mental. Um, and we toured so much of Australia that we're like, we can't just keep going around right. Australia. We're going to burn ourselves out. We've got to go overseas. Um, how do you do that? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Good the, question. <laughs> yeah. The big challenge for us was um, no, we're like, we need a label to, to get us That's out there. I was going to say, put the first record out. Yeah. yeah um, and no one wanted to take a punt on us because they'd never seen us play. Yeah. But for us to be able to play, we were like, well, we need a release so someone right. knows who the fuck we are. Yeah. Right. And it was just, there was nothing. So we were like, well, let's do what we did in Australia overseas. Okay. Let's just fucking, let's just go overseas. We booked a round the world ticket. So Holy, wow. that was the cheapest way of doing it. All we right. borrowed money off my parents. Nice. And we're Damn. like, can we borrow some money so we can go overseas and try and do this thing? It seems to work in Australia. <laughs> like, it's, let's just <laughs> do a thing. Cool. And it's, it's like, by the time we left, we like, we had played... We headlined a venue in in Sydney. It was like twelve hundred people, and at that point in time, that was the biggest like hardcore show in Australia's history. Like, wow. like yeah. including so international touring bands, which was nuts. Right. We're like, holy That's shit! So we 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 go to the UK, and a band from the UK called Shaped by Fate had booked a. Um, they were like, you can come out with us. They were like oh, a, cool. a, a smaller band from Wales, and they'd they're like jump on this bill with us. The entire Man, tour, that's f- bold. dude. The entire tour fell apart two weeks before we were about to go out. We had it all booked, and they cobbled it back together for us, which was sick. And we arrive in the UK. No one knows who the fuck we are, <laughs> right? Like fucking no one. We yeah. went from like three weeks ago we played to twelve hundred people to literally like there's fifteen people here, right? And we're playing like in some s- southern port town of the UK, 
in a venue where you're three stories up and one of the walls is missing in the backstage room. <laughs> sketchy as shit. Yeah. And you're like, all right, we're back to square one. And we're like, we've done it in Australia. Let's do it here. So yeah. we just did it. We're like, you, we do what we always do. You, you play like every show's your last because this is a fucking adventure. We had, we hired a car. One of our friends, like Jed, who is our drummer's big brother, sold merch for us. He was with us. And we literally had this tiny little car and we chucked all our shit in the back of it and piled it all on us. We did, had no money, like no money. We would take whatever we got paid or didn't get paid. If someone was like, here's 40 bucks for a hotel room, we're like, yeah. well, what we're going to do is we're going to take the money from the hotel room. We're just going to buy a bunch of sleeping bags and we're just going to sleep like on the side of the road. <laughs> so we're, yeah, yeah. We, so we were sleeping oh. on the side of the road. We're sleeping like in fields. We're sleeping. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, dude. Like, um, you know, yeah, like, oh, fuck, what's that venue in Leipzig? Like, there's, there's a venue in Leipzig with a skate park out the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there before. I remember yeah, that Yeah, we, like, we slept. Mini ramp there and shit. Too. Yeah, so we slept out the back of that. And I used, wow. like, a brick as a pillow. <laughs> so so that was our first, like, we, we were away from Australia for five months. and we Five we, months? Five months straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was like 2004, wow. 2005? Yeah, I think so. I think okay, it's around just that. Just traveling yeah. and playing shows. Traveling and playing shows. And that was it. Just driving around, like, no agent. No, no proper release at this point in time. No we're money. Just, no money. Just going. And we, we were just like, this is an adventure. Fuck right. it. Like, I got pneumonia. Like, I was half fucking dead. Didn't even know it. Um, oh, it was... So, there was so much super sketchy shit going down. Five months. Yeah. Was How old are you then? Like, 20s? 20. I think I was 21. Okay. I think Ben was like 17, our drummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, so, so wow. this is... Wow. yeah. But, but Shout what, out to your parents who give you money to do that too. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. That. yeah. So our parents, nice. parents had faith in us doing it. Like I've, I've already been with my, like my now wife for three years. So she, okay. she was like, all right, go and do this thing. And mm-hmm. she had to go through hoping that we're safe because mobile phones don't fucking exist at this point. Nah. <laughs> I think like we've got like a, a tiny little cell phone, but like we're on phone cards. There's no Skype. Yeah. Phone cards. There's yeah. no, I'm sending her postcards and letters and like buying the prepaid phone thing from the fucking yeah and going to the phone store to, to make that call which cost you 10 bucks for two minutes so it was nuts but um Fuck. what happened was Sounds stressful as hell yeah yeah Think it was that Derek, right? yeah. oh absolutely it I was really it was anxiety it was from hearing 100 yeah yeah you never yeah. slept in a field did you on tour in a field no hell no yeah <laughs> dude the field the, some of the fields were the like the nicest ones you wake bet. up but You'd wake up in the middle of the night and it was just stars. Oh, that's it was, cool. Yeah. It was fucking sick. There was there was some in the rain and stuff which were gnarly. Damn. Sleeping oh, under the van in the rain, like trying under to not get rid of the puddles and stuff. No one can ever say your band never paid their dues. Man. Oh no, no, no. I know. <laughs> like that's and that's the thing. Like no matter what no matter whatever yeah. happens, I'm like, dude, we've we've we paid in fucking every form of bodily pain that you can mental torture that you can think of. Yeah. But um yeah. So like after five months. So what happened was it was a couple of months. And there's no record at that point? No, we had like rough distribution of what we already had, but okay. it was like okay. really minor, like local yeah. distro kind of thing, like really, really small. Um, and Peter from Burning Heart um, mm-hmm. was like, yeah, like your band. Is that a label? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The okay. Epitaph affiliate. Epitaph, yeah. Uh, Epitaph it's a subsidiary. Yeah. 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 It's like how Hellcat like, is too. Okay. Like, yeah. And he was got like, yeah, I'll fucking put it out. And then he was like, I'm going to show it to Brett in, in <laughs> America. And we're like, <laughs> shout out to Brett Girl, it's the best. Yeah. Dude. Yes, Legend. everyone at Epitaph family mm. fucking love them. Amazing, the best. Yeah. Nice. Um. So yeah, and it was it was really weird because us growing up as punk kids, at that point in time, it wasn't Epitaph. Now it was like 
Dude, dude we were everybody, man. It was, it was everyone punk, but there was nothing heavy. And then it's Brett's wrecked. like, "Yeah, them. Yeah, Parkway. We'll put that out. We'll put it out in the US." And Burning Heart and Epitaph will put it out in Europe, even though at this point in time, the actual album has been released six months ago. Like people officially like this is in pirating days. You could get that shit online everywhere. Yeah. But he still they still released it, which was we were like, holy fuck, that's incredible. So we got a label dream, dude. Yeah. And then Marco um, from Avocado Booking, like in Europe, was like, check this out and was like, yeah, I'll book you guys. And they were a small agency at that point in time and he was like yeah and he saw us play and this was at like the peak of my pneumonia and we played <laughs> we played some some venue where I was I think it was Hamburg no maybe it wasn't Frankfurt it was Frankfurt and we played with Raised Fist okay. and loved Raised Fist huge yeah. huge Raised Fist fans um, and we were opening for them and I was so so sick like vomiting my guts up could not speak and I'm like we're not canceling this show. So I'm playing the gig. I'm so delirious that I fell off the front of the stage. I fell into the drum kit first because oh like God, I had no dude. balance. Right. And then I was just screaming my guts out. And then at, at one point in time, I was just like, and off the front of the stage I go and just like toppled off the front wow. of the stage. That's the first time Marco's seen us. And I'm just like, this dude is going to have the worst impression. But he was like, no, he's like, no, he's I, really punk rock. Yeah. He was like, yeah. <laughs> It was like no, I, I respect. I like. I see what's there. So I respect the energy that's going that's on, awesome. and yeah. And from that point on, like he's like, I can't get you a tour right now, but whatever's going on, I will put you guys on as like the local opener if you nice. guys can get to the place. And there was like, there was like a, God, what was the tour? It was like, Dead to Fall, Ringworm, Cephalic Carnage. Ringworm. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, there was a bunch there. of there was a bunch Ringworm. of tours where we we were just opening like. As we weren't on the package, our name wasn't on the flyer, but we would drive our little red car to the Czech Republic and play some basement somewhere for just to open. Yeah. And and that's what we'd do. And then we'd sleep in a field and we'd rock up to the next show and we'd just do it. A, that's what it was. Darkest Hour. It was Darkest Hour, Dead darkest to Fall. Darkest Hour. Cephalic Carnage. Um, yeah. So Talk to Middle Mike. He's in Darkest Hour. I don't think yeah. it was back then, but mm. he's also from Battery and from... Uh, yep. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So we did a bunch of those like little well. things. And then after like three months, we like we went over to states for the first time oh wow and we had a tour with uh the warriors um and a tour with himza which we uh, already himza. had yeah who we had um hooked up already which were like that was just us opening shows and it was sick and the warriors like we'd never met before but they were friends with day contempt and they were friends with i killed the prom queen and they were like here's you can use all of our backline oh wow like We'll take your gear in the trailer. Like you get yourselves around. You can, they just hooked us up like nothing else. They were fucking awesome. And they're still like really good friends of ours. Like, and visas and everything was fine. Oh, no, no. That wasn't fine. That was a tourist. (laughs) We just got in on an Esther and did not say that we were working. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We have visas and stuff now, but no, no. They're official now, listeners. Yeah. Yeah. We're very official now, which is fucking awesome. But but originally, like, we're like, we're not making, we were not making money. Yeah. (laughs) We're like, we're contributing to the economy, but we sure as hell aren't taking anything out of it. Yeah. But we took, we did the same thing. We're like, Let's just sleep on the ground. Like okay. there was, yeah, man, there was some, yeah, there's, there's times that I, we, we like woke up in the mountains and you just hear coyotes howling, like just right. in the shadows and shit. Yeah. <laughs> so sketch. But um, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was just a wild trip. And that's how we got the name out there. We just kept playing and we just kept going. I love right, it. Right. And from there we went back to the, we went back to t- Europe for one last tour, which our first time on a bus ever with. I was going to, yeah, first time on a bus. First time on, on a bus. bus. Yeah, it was, oh, really? it was okay. us we were on the flyer. It was Shai Halud, 
Remembering Never. Oh, who else was on that? Us. And oh, someone else, I'm so sorry. Whoever All on one bus. All, All on one, one bus. bus. Yeah. All on one bus. Toilet broken. Smells like oh. piss constantly. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But it was um, it was rad. But you're on a bus, you have a bunk, place every night. Oh. Dude, could not believe it. It's like, <laughs> no matter what, I know I'm not going to die in my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I know a car's not going to run over me while I'm trying to sleep or something like that. I get okay, mugged or some shit. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was that was kind of how it started. And did that's you, how we did started you start going to overseas. notice, like, uh, on that second time around in Europe, yep. like, bigger, yep. like, people knowing People knowing us. Okay. The weird thing was, like, well, it wasn't... It was weird in the sense of we've always expected to fail. Right. But nothing has ever failed. Hmm. Like, there's been no point in time where we've rocked up to the same place and there's been less people. Right. It has always been more. Every time. Like, it's just like, you play your guts out and it seems to connect. And it's just been that way from day one. It's not like we're... We didn't, we've never had a real plan of like, this is how you succeed. We've yeah. literally right. just gone, we enjoy doing this. Mm-hmm. And we love doing it so much that like, I'm not going to play a half-ass show because I give a fuck about this. Yeah. Like, I'm not here to put on a costume and go off to work today. Like, as much yeah. as you go, like, this is my career. This is me. This is my fucking art. This is what we care yeah. about. Mm-hmm. And, and people can uh, see that and feel they that. get it. There's like, yeah. I mean, it's a, I don't want to like, toot my own horn but it's fucking authentic yeah like it really it really is yeah. um and that's why i kept going for you guys because yeah. you weren't trying to be big you're doing something you love and you never gave up and you kept going yeah through all that different things there's a there's a sense of ownership that goes yeah. with the people that have supported our band mm-hmm. over the years right they know that they've got us to where we've got us and we know that very much as well like yeah we create the art but the connection that is formed through that art is genuine and we know it relies on at the end of the day, I'll be happy just doing it. But for the yeah. gigs to get to how big they are, it takes someone going away from that show and telling their friend that wasn't there, you should come and see this next time. And yeah. that's how it's grown. And yeah, yeah it did. It, it just kept growing. Like gr- gradually, 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 gradually. It just kept expanding. And we just kept doing the same thing. And the art just kept changing because we got more life experience and, yeah, and, right. and grew older and like seeing the world and playing with other bands. Everything. That's it. And it all just, it all just molded into this organic thing where like until COVID hit, like you have this 17 year strange experience of exponential growth in this band. Yeah. Um, that was just one long blur. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing journey. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple questions. One is, did you, gra- did you graduate from high school? Yeah. I got like, I think. Was your was band f- already started when you were in high school? No. Okay, it was oh, after. I think it was like the year after. Okay. I got like 56 on my final score. Okay. Two of the guys graduated. How does that work there? Cause, uh, yeah, what's that's good? bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 56. That's bad. Like, 60 like, like a like Do you guys just rank it in, uh, like out of 60 in Australia? No, that's bad. Like yeah. 56% out of 100 is not a good score. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's out of like, 100. So, so, so yeah, it's out of 100. So like... So, so you just wanted to play music. You just wanted to get out of school. Probably. Yeah, well, I just wanted to surf. We just well, everyone just wanted to surf. I'm music sure you was surfed during school hours too, though. Yeah, okay. our, our high school is on the beach. Oh, there was yeah. a tra- <laughs> there was a track to the beach. Oh, so when nice. the wind was good, you, everyone would know it, and you'd just be like, "Who the fuck's going home to get their boards at lunch?" Because like we can just flag these next two periods and just go surfing. Wow. So um so yeah, we like two of the guys, like the two youngest guys in the band, like our bass player and our our drummer. Both dropped out in tenth grade, okay, because they wanted to surf. Wow! Literally, that's it. It was before the band was a thing, and they worked in pizza shops together, so they could surf. And yeah. that was it. And and so you barely made it out, but you got out. Yeah, 
Like that's why when like when we when the band started touring internationally it was the first time we had to like put our side we were like now it is our job right. yeah what were your jobs what was like i was your last a, real job i was maybe. working in a burger cafe like okay. burning burgers and making bad coffees Ooh. um <laughs> two of them the, the the youngest two were working in a, in a pizza shop and they were like the head chef and <laughs> which was yeah i know when they were when they told me at the time like i was like you fucking serious are you in charge of running this i'm never getting a, like a pizza from this joint but it was there Absolutely like this not. it was ridiculous um one of the like jeff our lead guitarist was working at the video store and our buster uh the guitarist slash manager luke was watering wheatgrass for the local juice shop peak australia peak australia jobs right there we go so like <laughs> yeah man so so the first time that we like when we actually had to to quit was when we went overseas for the first time because nowhere in like highest unemployment rate in the country no one's waiting keeping yeah. your job for you until you get home yeah they're yeah. getting someone else definitely for that week 100 percent, sure. man that's it 100 <laughs> percent. so yeah that was that was that was it and that's when we're like well let's try and do this instead of doing all those other things yeah so you weren't after <laughs> so after that european tour coming back you guys were living started living off the band kind of yep that was okay. it it was just like it, that was when it was relentless too, oh, but wow. we we're still. It was relentless. Like it was relentless before that, but now it was relentless internationally, and also like at that point in time, we're getting to the point where like certain members of the band aren't necessarily living at home anymore. <laughs> yeah, because like some like a lot of them lived at home for a long time because they weren't there. They just come home and like dump their stuff with their parents or whatever. But yeah, I was out. I was out at home, so I was like, me and my wife got to make rent, shit like that. So we got to keep. Got to keep this thing rolling. Yeah, we just kept touring, but mm -hmm. but it was successful as well. So we, like we had we were we were observing the momentum, and we're like, why stop now? Right. Every opportunity that popped up, you just go, I'm on it because right. fuck, it could go even further. Right. And when you grow up, especially like we have, not expecting anything. Yeah. You expect the bubble to pop, mm -hmm. and we the the constant thing for our band has been right before going on stage, looking out and going. Jesus Christ, this is more people than we've ever seen here. Soak it in. This is the biggest the band's ever going to get. Mm -hmm. And that goes mm -hmm. from like 100 people to 200 people to three to five to 1,000 mm -hmm. to fucking 2,000 to fucking whatever it's at now. It took us 10 years to realize this isn't stopping and that you actually know what you're doing. Like yeah. there was a massive imposter syndrome going on with us for so long mm. because we didn't expect this to you actually feel like you work. Didn't deserve it. 100%. 100%, mm -hmm. 100% wow. man. And like it was it took so so long for us to actually realize it. that yeah, to embrace it. And that whole time you wait for it to pop. You wait right. for you wait for the day you book a tour and you rock up and no one's there mm. and you're like it's done. Right. Back to the pizza shop. Right. Yeah. Um because it just it just didn't make like none of it made sense. Like even in our country in our town like none of it made sense like mm. on a national level people are like who the fuck is the like the biggest band of this genre in our country coming from that hippie town there's no there's nothing there and they did the scene themselves what yeah. the fuck and also like that scene itself like there's there's no radio play there's no alternative music yeah. there's no media coverage like it is still fucking underground in our country like yeah. there was there was nothing and our band was at the top of the heap of all of that in this thing that made zero sense yeah and then you go overseas and it's that but also you're from australia like no one was touring australia at that point in time no one knew who the f there was no bands coming out of there other than acdc and silverchair yeah that's it wow so so like the whole thing was amplified even more like there was like nowadays like people look to australia for 
for quality heavy music of any kind. But when we started, it was just us. Yeah. Like you literally, there's no footprints to follow. You're doing it yourself. Yeah. So you do really wait for it to all just like for people to catch on and you so, yeah, you actually don't belong here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like we, we do interviews and people had, for 10 years, people would be like, what's the secret? Like you guys are doing really well. Like what is it about you guys? And we, we'd literally say, we don't know. We're idiots. We have no idea what we're doing. We can't even play our instruments. And that would be our straight up real answer. Damn. Which is so shit. It's so shit, man. We had no self-confidence. Yeah. Like we had, once we stepped on stage, we were just like, we're going to make people remember this no matter what. Like if this is our headlining show, we're going to go 110% and it's going to be as good as anything we can ever give. And if someone's playing above us, we're going to make sure that the people feel it, that they fucking feel it. And they've either got a lift or they're going to get fucking rolled over. Do you feel like you had a lot to prove? A lot of people watching you? Every fucking time. Yeah. We still do. We still, we still like, I'm not going to say it's a chip on our shoulder, but I always have something to prove. (laughs) I always have something to prove because like, (laughs) I, all I want, I I just want to give some people something memorable. Yeah. They're giving us out their time. And that's the most valuable thing that anyone has in their entire fucking life is time. So if you're going to, spend your time with us i want it to be something that's worthy of that time that's the thing so remember it yeah yeah just remember it so yeah what was like (laughs) what's like a major influence for the band back then i'm sure it's changed throughout the years and you guys are part was it was the genre called metalcore is that the kind of dude it wasn't even existing like that term didn't even Uh, exist when we started it was like metallic hardcore all those terms by the way i know yeah yeah yeah. no that's the thing yeah before yeah (laughs) before before like before there was a, a a something to search on a search engine, mm. it was just like metallic hardcore. Oh, or yeah, that's like, right. Or emo metal. It was like Poison the Well. Oh, and uh, fucking Poison the Well, opposite of December, and then like Throwdown and fucking. Throwdown. Like all of Hatebreed, Earth Crisis, like all of those things mixed, mashed in together. Okay. But like, um, <laughs> it was around the time that like bands were bringing in like death metal and black metal influences into things. And yeah. we weren't mm-hmm. necessarily listening to that kind of stuff specifically we were just kind of taking everything in but what we did when we started was like it was literally hardcore kids who wanted to make something heavier than what we'd done before yeah and then going let's add some some things which are challenging for us Mm. and being hardcore kids who know how to play fucking power chords and and, yeah and not sing (laughs) like we got our now our lead guitarist jeff who was like he grew up on metal and he played guitar in a way that we'd never heard before he like he grew up listening to fucking Metallica and Machine Head and Dire Straits and like he's nice. fucking okay. wizard on guitar. Dire Straits. Yeah, yeah. Dire Straits metal. But yeah, fucking <laughs> Dire Straits, dude. Like, um, and he he knows how to play guitar and he knows fucking music. And we're like, you do that thing and we'll do this thing and we'll kind of meet in the middle and we'll make this band that sounds like something. We we do this thing that's like hard for us to do because right. it's because it's fun to yeah, do something yeah. challenging. Yeah. And that was kind of it. And from there, it's just been this organic process of taking influences in and realizing what you like doing and what you're not doing and what everyone else is doing and running it through our own filter of of creation and that's kind of kind of it so it's that's kind of just the only real formula that we've ever had it's always been those three things of like do you enjoy playing it do yeah. you enjoy listening to it and f- fuck that's what was the third one i can't even remember now <laughs> do you enjoy playing it do you enjoy do you enjoy listening to it yeah i can't remember the third one but that was basically all we ever run on that's yeah, how we write right, songs. Right. That's yeah. literally how we write songs. And if it, if it fits those things, we're like, that's that's all it's got to be to be part yeah. of. Yeah. Has there been uh, some lineup changes? No. Nah. No. No, we've had one. We've had one, which was a. We've had we've had three bass players in the history of the band. 
Okay. Yeah. Basically. The current, our current, yes, damn fucking bass players, man. <laughs> our current plays, our current bass player has been with us since our first overseas tour. Oh, that's cool. So he's been with us, like he's, yeah, he's been okay. in the band, but it's been solid ever since then. I so see. originally we had a bass player um, called Brett, who was, um, he could play bass and he was in the scene, um, and he was sketchy and just loose. Right. Like we would literally rock up. The day before driving out for tour, we'd pack everything in the car. We'd be like, you coming on tour tomorrow, Brett? It's like, yep. And then we'd, four in the morning, Van would turn up to his house. He's not here. And go, where's Brett at? And his mom would go, he's down at the police station. You've got to go get him from the, from oh, the cell. Shit. And we'd literally have to go and bail him out mm-hmm. and put him in the tour van oh, and man. take him. And then like when it came, the first time we re- recorded an album, we recorded overseas and he, we're like, you need to get a passport. You need to get a passport. Stop being so flaky never got it and we're like uh, sorry dude you're done and then we got a we got another friend who was cool and lived in brisbane not byron he was really good at bass mm-hmm. and he came he was in it for like an album cycle until we came overseas and he was having a kid and he was like i still want to be in this band and we bought him a round the world ticket and after a month we did that first uk tour and he's like i'm out I gotta, i'm having a kid and we're like Mm. fuck man we just spent all that money on your ticket and you said you were going to be in and now right. you're done we get it but you're fucking done so we had no bass player like a month into that first five months stint oh. and at that point in time we were like everyone's flaky except for our fucking merch guy <laughs> in a, and our merch guy in Australia like no, he Jaya can't. he can't play bass but he's there and we literally would like call him up and we're like you want to fly around the world and learn how to be a bass player wow what? are dude. you serious yeah that's what we did good friends man <laughs> yeah and we're like and he was like yeah and he he wow. thought it was a joke he man. thought he, he thought it was a full-on joke and he honestly expected to get to the airport in london and for us all to be laughing at him and just, <laughs> and just send him home but no he, he rocked up and he learned how to play bass that's and he was, that's really he, had, cool. he had no idea how to play bass no that's it took him a long time to learn how to play right. bass as well. I like mean, he was shit for a long time, but he's like he's fucking great now. He's a great bass that's player. He's a great musician, and he's like that wow. dude has given so fucking much to this band. Wow. It's ridiculous. Uh, wow, dude. that's yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah. That's some, that's some real friends. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. Is, is is there one album out of all your records that, or was there how many th- records have by the way? Yeah, I think we're on seven now. Five, six, seven. Yep, seven. Okay. Yeah, seven, seven records. Still the newest one. Yeah. Okay. Seven. Is there any one of those records where? You felt like this is it. We're gonna have a career. Like it, it was so big, or a response <laughs> to it. This is the one. Not this the, is the one. one. Not We're the gonna one, make but, it. But, but it's like we it's selling. It, it's selling really good. Or you have a, you getting a video play or some radio play. In yeah, your uh, th- there was an actual turning point where it went like it, it went really crazy, which was which was Aya, which was two three records ago. Yeah, 2015. Yeah, and we we switched our like essentially we switched our sound up. Like the record, the record before it's called that. Irie? Aya. I I okay, okay. Anger, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Irie. Like, yeah, when we, when we wrote it out, we're like, oh, it's also the initial for Ireland's football team. So awesome. <laughs> There's going to be no confusion with this shit. Um, yeah, but like basically what happened with that album was like we, with the album before that, we, we wrote and recorded and we found we'd reached a point where we had started retreading old ground to a degree where we're like, we're like, we were just doing it because we knew how to do it. And then there was this whole other element where we we're bringing in, which was like, this other part of it is really interesting. Let's play those bits and try and write songs out of it. But they weren't quite meshing. We weren't committing to either side. We yeah. weren't committing to just like doing something which you obviously don't want to continue doing, but you're known for. And 
continuing down like obviously the, the, the like the influences and whatever you're doing is expanding at a rate which yeah which is now going beyond what you have expected or anyone's expected from your band so how the hell do you mesh them and we made an album which like it has some really good bits to it but when i listen to it i'm like it's two worlds sitting yeah. separate from each other and they mm. don't quite gel enough mesh, yeah so we started writing Aya and we we're writing in a very similar way and then we literally were like no we figured we were like it has to go somewhere different and we mm -hmm. started we analyzed like what we loved about the band and we re we we re like we worked our sound around in a different way and we were like you know what we're gonna do something really fucking different like I the lead that. the That's lead great. guitars would put way more to the forefront because we're like yeah. you know what like the lead guitars are a massive <laughs> character of this band like they've got the, they're a voice in this band yeah don't shy away from that like it doesn't always have to be brutal it can fucking shine and the other massive part of it was the actual sound itself. Like when we went to record it, our front of house sound guy is a producer and he was constantly going like, I can record your band if you want. We're like, yeah, <laughs> that's going to sound good. He's like, no, I can do it. And we, I'm like, guys, yeah. when we started writing, we were like, you know what? Let's give him a shot. And we went over, we demoed um, a song with him and it's his team is him and his brother. It's George and Dean Hudgy Crystal. Cool. And we, his brother has a studio in the basement a really nice one and they demoed this song and we we're like fuck man this sounds really good and he's like i've seen more parkway shows than any person yeah, on this planet there you go. i yeah. know how this band right. operates i know you i know how the crowd works like i feel it and we we're like yeah like that thing where you get in a studio with a producer and you have to work out the mm -hmm. personality gelling and mm -hmm. like yeah. the push and pull of all of that we we're like he knows what we're trying to get we've always been a live band trying to capture that essence in a studio without yeah. it just being a live record obviously mm -hmm. and we're like all right let's do a record with him and that was that was Aya and it came out oh, sounding wow. really fucking different the first the first song we put out it's called Vice Grip and it literally like it's gone from like us the the, the album's previous single first single was like three quarters of its blast beats super heavy breakdowns <laughs> just no melody whatsoever yeah. and yeah. it had a couple of like hey chants in it and people right. were already like the fuck is that chanting oh my god that's some sellout shit vice grip comes out huge lead guitars <laughs> melodic chorus yeah 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 like singing in it but like when we wrote it like originally we we're like i can't get this fucking song out of my head and this makes us happy like mm -hmm. this yeah. we enjoyed writing this it feels like us we've written it in the same way this is us let's write an album like this so we do that and we put it out as a single and we were like, we were literally like throwing a grenade <laughs> on the band's name straight into the middle right. of like this thing, which was already moving quite successfully, right. just going, here it comes, like right. waiting for the, the, the reaction to it. <laughs> and it was literally just like, this is fucking shit. Just like... It was like watching a fucking firestorm on the on the on the music video of people just going, "This band is done. They fucking killed wow. themselves." It was nuts, and we were like, "Holy fuck!" And we played like the night it came out. We played it. We played it for the first time in like a French city, and a couple of people knew it. And by three shows in, like three days after that song came out, that was the biggest song we had ever fucking made wow like the library Fuck yes it was because we were playing it like live at, and i think it was like on a festival run as well we watched it like click and we we're like oh fuck and from there like it it like it all just went and that's it, it incredible got, it was at a point where we were playing like in in europe we were we were just testing like we'd done a co-headline um like 
hall run of like venues that were like five thousand three to five thousand people co-headliner with heaven shall burn wow that's big yeah which was nuts just (laughs) just before this came out and then this came out and we did the the same run but like we sold the whole thing out just by ourselves, and we're like oh shit so literally it doubled like that we watched a doubling and all of a sudden it was like the the the, just the attention surrounding it amplified really amplified and like i noticed that at home all of a sudden like there's just random people Mm -hmm. like wow approaching me in the street Mm -hmm. going hey man and i'm like where do i know this person from and i I don't i don't i don't they're just (laughs) they're just people who know me and it was and and it became really fucking weird like it became like it not it i guess just weird because i'm not used to that and i've never i don't i'm not like a celebrity person like i i appreciate artists what they do but i don't like i i I'll shake someone's hand and go, you you mean a lot to me, but I, yeah. I but I, I don't approach people. Yeah. So to have people approaching me and then like finding my phone number or rocking up at my house or wow. shit like that, I'm like, what the fuck? And all of a sudden I'm doing like, having to fly to America and fly to Europe to just do press tours and stuff. Like it, it just jacked. That's right. insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So it was, um, that was when it really... Um, two, two, yeah. two things I got from that is that one, fuck the internet because yes, all that negative shit doesn't mean shit in real life. Oh, yeah, yeah, then yeah. you went played live and fans came and sang along and, yeah, and that became it. a big song. So yeah. that's just internet people that don't, don't yeah. really exist. <laughs> that, that's a pure reality check of that. And also that I love when bands do change it up and do change their style because mm. bands get stuck in that touring cycle like we're going to tour that's for two it. years or a year then we make a record then we do a single you start making the same shit over that's and over again grind. it gets boring and then you just make it, you're the same band over and over so i love the fact you did that and it actually worked and that's why i think derek should do a ballad yeah man <laughs> i'm pushing for a ballad on one of the next still records. working on it man but just like the band you got the needs voice to have for fun it, dude. thank you like, <laughs> like the point is, like the band has to have fun to be happy too. Yeah, absolutely. You can't just make music for the, your audience who, who are, you appreciate so much and I got agree. you where you're at. I, but it's like, yeah, the the band are artists, and for artists to expand and to grow, you need to evolve and step yes. outside of the box, and that's what you know is super important, scary. Yeah, but man. I think people that believe step. in that step. Yeah, when you do it. And, and when you believe in it, you know. 100%, man. It comes back to that authenticity. And yeah. also knowing the difference between art and product. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's the thing. Because you do forget that as like as a consumer of anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you are paying. In, 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 even if it's attention, you're paying for something. Yeah. And you expect something back. But, but whether or not like you want to like something. Everyone wants to like what they're getting. But when you don't, you feel disappointment, which I yeah. get. Let down. Get, no, you I feel let down, which is, which is understandable. But at the same point in time, it's exactly what you said. Like, I mean, that's why we, we do have that very, very base formula of what this band right. is. Yeah. It, it really, because at the, at the, at the bottom of it, we've, we've really known that like, if we follow that and which is just being true to ourselves and right. true to what we enjoy doing about this whole crazy project, that authenticity resonates out and the authenticity is where the real connection comes from Mm -hmm. and whether or not people do actually like it or dislike it that just comes down to them and we're cool like if someone's like i fucking hate this i'm like no problem yeah yeah it's it's just dude it's just fucking music like it's just at the end of the day this is all down to it comes down to taste there's plenty of music that i have no care for whatsoever and i listen to it i'm like i'm not going to spend my time on this because i just don't want to yeah and there'll be people that (laughs) do exactly they, you know they'll that's completely the feel a different way that's exactly it, yeah. it man that's exactly it and i and i and i get it that's the thing but mm-hmm. i think as soon as you try and um second guess like that equation yeah and you and you're like you know what 
I know what people want. Yeah, then <laughs> you're doomed. <laughs> then you're fucked, man. <laughs> like, then you're fucked. You know? Yeah, that's it. I mean, it. there's bands like great examples. Like being a fan of music and, and especially a, a big fan of Metallica, not understanding mm, yeah. just because I was like, I don't like metal, like <laughs> hardcore punk kid. And I was yeah. like, I'm not going to. Then it was like, okay, I'm going to open my mind, love the band, love what they do. And then with the changes, I was like, what the hell? Yeah. And, but I was still. The Black Album. I, uh, well, no, even with like. Love that record, when, when one, yeah. like Injustice for All, I was like. Ooh, yeah. Because there was like Garage Days. And I was yeah. like, this is going to be epic. All the covers. The next album, I was like, <laughs> the co- these covers Sick. are the best. Yeah. This band is still, like Metallica <laughs> fans were just waiting, waiting came out there were so many people talking shit oh, like the band is over yeah. they had their first video yeah. and it was like one of the best videos they've ever done it was the most ballady song was that the one most, one yeah. and it incredible was video man yeah. incredible song incredible video and I was like man they have stepped way outside their box yeah. which is fucking Comfort beautiful zone. then the black album came out and I was even like mm, I don't I'm an idiot for thinking that because it's the album that did the best, I think, out of their entire career. Oh, 100%. Genre-defining, like, <laughs> classic worldwide album. But so Bangers. many people were talking Dude, shit. people were buying it to burn it on the sidewalk. <laughs> I'll pay money to show you how much I fucking hate this right. thing yeah. by then destroying it. Yeah. But that, but that is the... That, I mean, that's the thing as well. The thing with art is, like... I mean, it, it always feels weird to say, like, what we do is art in general. Like, I always find that a very interesting thing but it is and it, it's it is. it's designed to elicit a reaction yes yeah. i would rather Absolutely. someone be fucking pissing on our record right. than be going mm, and it playing and then be having a conversation over the top of it uh, mm. because it like it, it's supposed to elicit something because the thing is when you're when you're creating it you're creating it because something is drawn out of you to create that yeah. Like it's it's not like you're just sitting there sleepwalking your way through some fucking lyrics and just like slapping away and you're like oh shit a song's written I didn't even fucking realize here we go that's it or someone wrote a song <laughs> yeah. for you like it's right. yeah. it's personal and someone can dislike a part of your personality or not understand it but at, at least they're trying to connect with it and it's elicited a response and that's what I want from my art yeah and like the, uh, the art that i consume <laughs> yeah right, right did you get nervous when you saw the reaction before you get to play that song live when you were on tour uh at this point in time we kind of weathered it a little bit we kind of giggled at it a lot because <laughs> um because the the we do have a lot of faith in our own way of doing things yeah and going like it's it's always worked for us we can't stop thinking about this song if that earworm works for us fuck man I think it's gonna happen for other people and it kind of just did that's yeah. the thing it was just it was faith in in ourselves I mean it's hard not to ignore but like I don't even I didn't I've I've realized that that part of life now that like the internet world of extremities of either this is the greatest thing in the world oh my fucking god hallelujah this is the fucking <laughs> second coming of Christ right. to like this is literally a pile of dog shit is massive hyperbole yeah Mm. And it's I, I just don't engage in that because like I don't engage in that in real life like I don't talk like that right. yeah, <laughs> I don't, I'm right. not gonna I'm not gonna I'm, I don't that life is not so black and white and yeah. there's room for for discussion about things and there's room for so many different 
emotions other than just love and hate yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, as, a sure. re- as a reaction so I, I, like i don't even read i don't read comments i don't read anything at the, at the moment some occasionally on on a news article or something you right. click on a comment section just to go what's happening and you go oh people are still interacting in the exact same way and right. it's fucking polarization and mm. whatever there's way more to life than that man right. i love i love plus you're in the ocean all the time anyway not really oh yeah that's it that's the thing yeah yeah i'll t- like i'll listen when someone's like i don't i don't like what you do uh, like I, don't, I like the old stuff and i don't like the new stuff or i like the new stuff and i don't like the old stuff right. like there's it's people always. that exist in com- yeah. exact both camps at the same yeah, time true. and yeah. both of them i'm like thanks for spending your time checking it out yeah no yeah, matter what place. Yeah. yeah yeah and you change producers each album nah same dudes same the so last since we've been with george and dean you're sound man since then yeah wow dude okay. Still doing it. He'll be doing it tonight. That Still is doing our sound. so freaking Stayed awesome. Stayed the sound man. man and he's producing the album. Yep. Wow. Front of house sound guy producing mm-hmm. the album. He must have been so psyched when that came out, that song, and he had been part of it. <laughs> oh, and it's man. Like, he said it was the most fucking stressful thing he's ever done. Up, up, at that point in time, he's, he was like, if this bombs, I'm the guy that killed this band. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, he's he's awesome. And Dean's a fucking phenomenal engineer. Like Those, those brothers together have yeah. done so much for us. We recorded this last album during covid lockdown in australia okay and those guys flew around the world and spent four months in our country because we couldn't get out leaving their families on the other side of the world where are they from they're from canada and arizona so they flew to yeah Uh they flew to byron to get this record done um just so we could actually have a record like this is mid fucking pandemic and that's how much they will actually do rather than going i'm not leaving they're like Parkway needs to get a record done. We'll fly over. They went through two weeks of quarantine in our country, and quarantine meant like we we're having a discussion about boats yeah. before. Yeah, they lived in hotel rooms with no windows that they weren't allowed to leave. Food. That they had to do oh, like man. they had their food slid in. They right. had to like back up to the wall and get tested every day. They, they literally said it was like prison. Like it was mental torture. At, like oh. it almost broke Dean. So. Yeah, those those guys that, that that team have done the last three albums. They would give anything for and, our band. And have they moved on to do other produce other? Oh, bands? yeah. George George <laughs> has produced a whole bunch of other stuff. Dean's actually produced and engineered a bunch of other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're just like, I mean, we're not we're not the only people that they've worked with. But right. I don't know if they've done other stuff similar to like Parkways. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. Is it, is it? I think it's a pretty pretty unique relationship as well. I and see. I'm not sure how many other bands have ever done a record with their front of house sound dude we have have you yeah fuck off that's why i can totally yes to, i never to, knew that to the idea of oh, having dude. somebody that knows day in day out what you're doing yes you yes know, and, and this person is extremely technical that we had as well yeah which helped and and it was a great experience you yeah know, it really was uh um i mean it was so good that i mean he Ended up moving on, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, <laughs> come, like, come back! back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude, I'm waiting yeah, for that day. Right. I, every time we've done one, I'm like, "You still gonna want to do stuff with this?" Because yeah. he's, he's, George has done a bunch of other stuff. He's done a bunch of country stuff, and he does pop stuff, and like, fucking, uh, he does a lot of like different things. And I do wait for the day when he's just like, "Too big for your boys, can't afford me." <laughs> right, right, right. But no, he's still like, he still wants oh, to come on tour. Cool. He still. Re- did that put him on the map more as a producer and everything? Saying, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's still just he's doing things, man. He, yeah. Like he is doing. He's a good producer. Like he's a good musician and producer. And like, yeah. Does that w- first album he does become one of your biggest records? 
Yeah, yeah, it definitely has. Wow. Like, 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 I was, I was the turning point. Like the last three albums. Well, I can't say it for Darker Still because it's new, but the last two albums yeah. were, their, were our biggest records that we've done. Wow. So, so was there yeah. pressure for the next one after? You ever put pressure on yourself for writing? Um, well, yeah, Darker, like Darker Still sucked, <laughs> 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 and um, it was it was so good, but it, it also was like it almost broke us as a band. It, really? it like straight up almost broke. Yeah, because this is where I'm going to get into this part, which I find so interesting yeah. to take it back to Metallica and their documentary. These guys go to band therapy, Yeah, which oh, I think really? is, I want to okay. know about so much because I think that's really important. Yeah. Mental mm. health, just everything. Bands are like uh, families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a dysfunctional family at times, of course, but loving brothers, and brothers, sisters, whatever, make music together. Right. And there's all these personalities and egos yes. and all kinds of shit. Yep. So, and I know also, did that have something to do with canceling the tours too? You had those. Tw- oh yeah. You canceled those tours twice, yep. I think. Yeah. Yeah. With, the first. Um, the stick to your guns and black. Belt, yeah. That yeah. One. The first, the first one, like there was, there were some tours that got canceled for COVID and then like coming out of COVID there was, there was one, like the last US one got canceled because of that. Very specifically because of that. And basically what had happened. What led up to that. Yeah. Uh, 17 years, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 17 years. But, but it, there was like, th- the album was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and like, it was a combination of a lot of things, a lot of personal things, uh, writing an album. And the Reverence album you're talking about? No, nah, Darker Still. Okay, like okay, making okay. Darker Still. Like, okay. right, because we, we ran into writing that pretty early on in COVID because we were bored. Mm. Or like we had no musical outlet. So we just started, so we just started writing, yeah. which was really great because we're like, oh my God, we've got longer than two months to write a record. We don't <laughs> we have to go back years. on the road. We've got two years. <laughs> this is the dream. We'd always <laughs> dream like everything we couldn't do before we can do now. This is amazing. Um, and we wrote a lot, which was great. But um, we like, by the time the second year came around, we got into this trap um, of like, hyper analyzing is this good enough mm-hmm. like you've written a song that you wrote 12 months ago you've mm-hmm. listened to it 2000 times now and it's not new and fresh anymore to you so you d- think you can make it better you get too much time too yeah. much fucking time and mm-hmm. you start rewriting things which were already good right and instead of writing new stuff and leaving it it was like this it became like this spiral that went mm. down um and the pr- the process in which we write as well like it's it's Ben our drummer and Jeff our lead guitarist who also handles the pre production duties and we record in his basement under his house yeah and like it was it was just a gnarly time period because like he's got personal like some heavy personal shit going on at that point in time yeah. which he's got to take care of and a young family upstairs he feels the pressure of doing this album where he we're also getting into this spiral where like we're doing this hyper analyzing thing or he's doing this hyper analyzing thing and where all reacting to it in different ways, trying to get this thing fucking done. Then we've got to actually record the album in the way that I just said of like flying George and Dean over from America. It, it cost us like something like $60,000 for two airfares just to get them into Jesus. the country. Just to get them into the yeah, country. It was hard to get Americans over there too during Fuck, that time. Yeah, they yeah. flew, they flew over on, I think it was like 747 or 787 and there was three people on the plane. On that entire fucking plane. Wow. Yeah, so it was nuts. And so there was a lot of like pressure around the album itself of just like, uh, it wasn't necessarily pressure of like, it has to be good. It was just like, it has to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a pressure. And the personal pressure that was all on it and it kind of just, it pushed the personal relationship points and a bunch of things which had been building to like a breaking point. Mm. And a lot of stuff just like started like, coming through the cracks that we're like to the surface yeah we're all like 17 years of relentless like 
right. you got to go. You got to keep going, or yeah. you're, or like keep going, or if you stop, it's not going to start back up again. And now you're stopped. And we're stopped, and yeah. all the band aids of like, let's have a band meeting. We need to talk about this, and you'd like have a ten minute conversation, and then you go, okay, that's cool. Let's just keep going. But you haven't actually talked about anything. You've just so kind true. of everyone hasn't really listened. You've just said, I'm pissed because of this. Well, I'm pissed because of that. All right, let's go. <laughs> that's a so true right? when you have that time frame to make a record that's the pressure like yeah. you have two and a half weeks to make this record or three weeks or a month with this one producer we can lock them on these dates yeah that's a different kind of pressure than yeah. and then you just go and go and go and you really just you just do your part and then you yeah, yeah. so that wow. happened that like that happened and then the like the cra- the basically the cracks just went bang it was just like fishes through and and when we were talking to each other, we were like, we need to have a band meeting to talk about like what happened in the studio. Like we're so stoked with the album. Mm-hmm. It's everything yeah. we wanted. Everyone got their shit done, but the process in which it took place was fucking gnarly. And when we started talking, we're just like, we've been here for three hours. No one's on the same page. Everyone's angry. Everyone's pissed with each other. It became apparent that there was a massive amount of resentfulness going on for everyone. In the band, Bunch yeah. of different, like, like different, people having different issues like things firing across purposes and stuff like that and we're like fuck we got shit to work out um and we got a tour in four weeks time we're like what do you do like we've never actually canceled like covid has canceled the tour for yeah. us we haven't fucking canceled the tour and um had it been canceled once already oh yeah it'd be canceled like three fucking oh, times that's right three times man it was, was so tour, shit yeah. yeah yeah and it was i'm like oh. we get to spend this year touring with hate breed like dude like so much respect for that band like i fucking love that band yeah that's the band where i'm like i can't believe we get to watch them every night and i'm like and we're like if we go on tour now yeah we will get the tour done but the band won't exist after that it just won't yeah like, we will do we'll be stuck in it like this thing that we're in right now will be a tour bus and you can't escape and then you've got to be on stage every night with this broken relationship um and luke our guitarist was like we should go to therapy and he was the one that was like, we should do that. Like, we need someone to help us figure out how to connect this communication because, like, we're saying things, but n- no one's listening. Yeah. And if you're not listening and we're not connecting, then how are we going to understand each other? We obviously, we still cared about each other, but the resentment was so much. Like, it, you leave gaps in communication and resentment fills it in. Yeah, for sure. And that was it. And it was 17 years of that shit. Like, we never, t- we never talked about the toll that it actually that this band and being in the band, like you're going away for five months. That's an adventure for you. But like, I'm in a long-term relationship and I got to leave my partner at home. Yeah. And you, you don't get that because you're just, you just, right. you just, you don't. And I'm not going to burden you with that because I don't think that's my place. And who so we don't talk about yeah. it. Who was insensitive to each person's hundred percent. We just, we just, on. we're just like banned over all. No one talks about anything. You just go. And yeah. It's so crazy. we, so yeah, we went to, we went to therapy and started doing that. And it, it's, it's been, awesome fucking awesome man like one of the best things i've ever done and that's awesome man yeah dude it was just it's just it's it's been really cool just being like it was interesting because every single person in the band like we've maintained this really diy attitude the entire time like our guitarist became our manager because we're like the only way we're going to survive is if someone else isn't just taking a cut of at at any point in time you learn what to do so like our guitarist as our manager like the stage shows and shit you see on stage that's like me and mm. luke to a degree designing all of that shit and putting it together so cool, our man. drummer made music videos and jeff became our like our producer and primary writer for all the guitar parts and we just like 
everyone took their own thing. Yeah. But they took it on and were like, well, I'm going to take care of this. Don't, you've got your thing to handle and this is my equivalent. And we never like shared it. We right. just handled it individually. So when the pressure grew and grew, you just held it up and you didn't reach out to other people for yeah. support. You just all were just like silos, just these individual pillars holding this band up instead of like a group structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so no one felt validated. Like, and everyone was just or appreciated like, or appreciated. Like you do yeah. your thing and you go, oh, I'm doing my thing so fucking well. You have no idea what I'm doing because I'm not telling you what I'm doing. <laughs> and you're not listening to what I'm doing because you've got your own thing that you're doing. Yeah. And, and that went the whole way around the band, round and round and round and round and round. And um, yeah, it was nuts. And at that point in time as well, like our bass player, Jaya, like we hadn't fully let him into the band in an equal way because like he came in as someone who couldn't play bass and we were so used to not having a bass player recording. He never recorded on, like I think he recorded on one album where we were like, we can do it better. Just don't even bother. So he didn't feel appreciated as part of the band. hundred percent. hundred percent. And he wasn't still. in on the band. Like he was like, wasn't in on the, like the band agreement or anything like that. We never actually had a proper agreement uh, as a band in the okay. first place. How like, many years was he in the band for now? A l- 17 now. Wow. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So he's yeah. like, yo, am I equal member? Like what's going on? Like what's, yeah. who am 100%. I? hundred percent. And, my and, position? and, 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 so he didn't play bass on on a lot of the albums. Any of the, I think maybe <laughs> maybe Horizons like our second album he played some of the bass on. Wow! But our guitarist Jeff was just like, I can ah, do okay. this, okay. and I'll and I'll write. I can write better bass because I'm already a guitarist. Already so. A guitar, right? so and then we just didn't fuck with the system. So he Damn, so he just kind of dealt with that. But at the same time, like we're like we gave him these chances of like, if you want in, like you've been doing this for a while, just show us some bass shit and you can do it but he's like i'm happy like i'm actually happy with Mm -hmm. doing this like when you guys are off in the studio like i know it's not equal but i'm off surfing on a surf trip and i've Mm -hmm. got my freedom but at the same point in time he knows he's not equal like he knows he's not in in the same way like no one knows fucking anything like it was just so vague and it was so separated that the, the like for all of the like the bonding that we had like there was a lot of just like isolation massive massive isolation within this very tight-knit group it was yeah. nuts our crew noticed it our crew just the crew knew like mm-hmm. for like it was building over a couple of years and they were right. like fuck dude you guys were so gnarly like it, it became a so job heavy. for people kind of like just i'm just coming showing up i'm playing no it was never to that degree but there was just like it became a job in the sense of the like we knew what was at stake yeah we've always enjoyed doing it but there was just personal resentment because when your friend, your brother, doesn't go, good job, man, because you've never said, hey, good job, man. Yeah. Or even if they do, you're just like, I don't know if you're kidding or not now, but fucking whatever. Yeah. Like you just, we couldn't even accept compliments at that point in time. Like it was fucking that. It was musicians, that, man. Dude, it was the, it was the imposter syndrome as, as well. Like yeah. we all, we're like we literally, like our way of growing up as people, like within our town was... Um, Actually, within the band, we were all equal as nothing. So if someone thinks they're something more than nothing, just tear them down. Like, keep them in their place, and that way everyone is fucking equal. Mm -hmm. Wow. So we all had no self-esteem. We constantly just, like, if anyone got any sense of self-confidence or Mm -hmm. ego, you just, like cut it down mm-hmm. and just cut it down just for the sake of everyone being equal rather than yeah. build it, rather than lifting everyone up and, <laughs> right. and growing as a human you just kind of cut everyone down which is uh, like that's a lot of Australian society it's called mm. tall poppy syndrome yeah mm. so happens like, in a lot of other places yeah man well. as soon as the as soon as like one poppy grows above the 
the bunch like the bunch will fucking cut it down. Yeah. So yeah, mm. it's kind of <laughs> almost like humanity itself. Oh it's yeah, hundred percent. You're keeping each other humble is one thing, but then like yeah, mm-hmm. we thought it was that. We <laughs> thought it was staying humble. Yeah, but it but it, but, but there's humbleness and then there's then there's appreciation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there's. And that was that was definitely what's missing because validation and appreciation helps you grow as a person. It doesn't necessarily mean you grow an ego, like mm-hmm. a, or an out of control sense of self where you think you're better than someone else, but it helps you grow as a person. Yeah. Had any of you guys ever been to therapy before? Or no? no. Oh, maybe some of the other guys. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. But speaking personally, no. You remember that first like, session? Yeah. It's hard. No, it was fucking good. It's <laughs> got you off your chest. Yeah, like we we had a really good like counselor, like Sean, our counselor was really good. Like it was. It was, it was liberating to have people just like to, to not only feel like I could put stuff out there and have it actually be acknowledged. Yeah. And stuff that like I'd said previously, which I was like, no one's listening to this, mm-hmm. but also stuff that I'd never put out yeah. because I was scared of the weight that that was to my friends that I didn't want to put on my friends because I'm like, this is heavy for me. They don't deserve to carry this as well as what mm-hmm. they've got going on. And for also to be able to hear from them like their genuine emotions and uh, genuinely what they've been carrying. Like it's a, I mean, men in society aren't really told like be emotional, yeah, be vulnerable. Like there's there's strength and vulnerability like are seen as polar opposites rather than necessarily one and the same at a certain point in time. Yeah. And like we all grew up in that era of just like harden the fuck up that was it so no one ever talked about anything like it was it was it was just like if you're going through something keep it to yourself so uh, there's like we've been we've been through some some really heavy stuff man like people in this band have been through uh things like i'm I'm, i don't want to go into of course they're they're the kind of stuff you know about to to account no there was stuff we knew about which were like this is life altering and it, it and when you're not going to be the same person after this has happened and we can't be the same people after this but how the fuck do you even deal with it like how do you even we don't have the tools to talk about this yeah so don't fucking talk about it Mm -hmm. just like the trauma is too great yeah don't flip that card over just like just repress it basically just fucking repress it and move on so like it, it, and that's not the way it like right. you don't heal with that no, you, do, no, you just definitely. don't you just don't heal and so it's like not everyone's well everyone's gonna go come to terms with grief at some point in time yeah. but like grief and this band's existence is bound together in a way that can't be untwisted like just due to certain events and, yeah. and, and, and that's just the way it is man like that's the way it is you go through something and you're like we can't go back from that you yeah. can't fucking go back from that um, unless you know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's th- that's there. That's yeah. fucking there. That's the thing. And we we never dealt with uh, a lot of that stuff. <laughs> You're probably a better band from even doing that now or maybe more, oh, con- more connected and bonded. Dude, we are, we are better as people and yeah. as a band now than we were when we started. We're at a better place. Like, it was playing catch up. Yeah. Like, it was playing catch up on like 17 years of emotional growth. Um, and friendship that's yeah. the thing because we were all friends we just mm-hmm. didn't know how to be friends properly and we are now like I'm so I feel so much more liberated to be able to like not know that like I'm standing on stage and I'm doing my part but like if I'm not doing my part my friends have got my back mm-hmm. yeah. I, like not not only do I have the confidence that they're doing their part but I know that 
they know if they if something's going wrong they can count on me and i can count on them just on stage doing what yeah. we do and at the end of the day it's just fun yeah totally. like it really is just fun um yeah and and to hit that point like 20 years into your career is is fucking really rad man it's really really rad yeah i know people kind of made fun of metallica for that shit in the documentary but I, i'm sure it helped them as well too. oh dude I've ahead of their it? time they're uh, yeah and the reason a lot of bands do this you know that yeah people don't even know about i mean i only realized about this existing was uh from a guy i knew in new york or played actually sarah sarah cox her father was like that was his job to Mm. bring bands together together it's cool yep i mean he was working with aerosmith and bon jovi and then just talking with him i was just like wow this is that's your job you know yeah i mean i mean how that's, you've got to do it. To, at some point in time, you surely have to do it to survive. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Because uh, like the challenging thing with, with all of it as well is the isolation that just this life brings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it is, it's just so, oh, it's, yeah. it's just very hard to explain to anyone what it's like doing what we do. Mm-hmm. Like you guys, you guys know. Yeah. Like no, even absolutely. your closest friends don't know what it's like to sleep on a tour bus. Right. Or, or, or to go to go to the fucking bathroom on a tour bus or like what a backstage room actually looks like mm-hmm. yeah like the, the the things that you don't see on stage like when you're going on a, a month-long tour people will see two hours maximum a day of your life mm-hmm. but the tour is actually 24 hours and they don't <laughs> see the rest of that time so they don't no. know what your life is and you get home and you talk to the like your closest friends and they have no fucking idea mm-hmm. and they're never going to have any idea right. so you feel s- like the isolation is just is just real true and again it just and it gets to you so you need someone to be able to help like the only people that know how to relate to your experience like come together around that that's the thing so right yeah yeah does everybody feel like you just be blatantly uh, blatantly obvious uh blatantly honest with each other now in the band <laughs> say anything you feel um to a degree like i think we're, we're <laughs> you're slipping <laughs> motherfucker yeah and <laughs> <laughs> no, i think i think it's i think it's just like there's there's no there's just no pressure on it like we yeah. also we also reached a point like if there was an acknowledgement process of like sitting down going like during one of the sessions going like this can just be fun like it's we've you spend we spent our entire life trying to escape and provide some kind of certainty yeah because we honestly felt like we had fucking nothing like you know that point in time where you get in a band's career where you're like if i keep doing this i'm going to be out of the workforce for 10 years and i don't have another qualification and i oh, can't yeah. go back to school and i am going back to square fucking one but now i'm old yeah like i'm scary. gonna be scary as hell yeah. so once you pass that point, it matters. Like it really matters. And people are having kids and they're like, I need to be able to provide support. Right. And all of that pressure kind of builds. Yeah. Um, and we like, the band is very fucking successful. The band is very successful. And we got to a point where we're like, just like, we can say we fucking made it. Mm-hmm. We can, yeah. we can do it. You can acknowledge that with each other. That's, that's cool. We don't and have that's to not just bragging. Go, that's just being proud. And no, but we, put in. but we never did. We never mm-hmm. did because of, because of the imposter part of it as well. We just pushed, we constantly fucking pushed and there's ambition in that as well. In the sense of like, I, I don't see there being a point in when people are like, is this as big as you can get? Or like, what do you plan next? I'm like, I don't stop thinking of more things to do because it's fucking fun. Yeah. Like, there's no point in going, no, oh, I think there's a cap on what we can do because there was a fucking cap when we started, which was 50 people in a shed. Yeah. And um, that 
Dude. Came a long way from sheds to arenas. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> the amount of the amount of glass ceilings that we've gone through now. Yeah. Fuck, man. There's a pile of glass like on the path behind us. So when someone's like, what do you think is possible? I'm like, anything's fucking possible. I'm going to keep working towards anything because why the fuck not? <laughs> That's yeah. what I like doing. But at the same point in time, I'll acknowledge the fact that like we've got to a point where you can go, yeah, you've made it. You fucking ma- well done. Well done to mm-hmm. everyone in, that's behind it. Like it's fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure those past two years, like sitting there too from touring so long and then being stuck at home, you start realizing what you have and what you accomplished too. Oh, yeah. Achieved and your band and all the hard oh, work dude. you put in. It's like, it was insane what we didn't realize. Right. That was the thing. Yeah. Because it was all those little jumps and we're in it and we're pushing so hard. Like, so the last thing we did before COVID hit, we put out uh, like a our third documentary. Like we, we film a lot. And we put documentaries out. Yeah, I love that. Called Viva the Underdogs. And it was like, it was the, the reverence to a cycle of the album before which culminated like in fest, a festival run in Europe which had us headlining Varken. It was like the last thing. And that show was insane. Like the biggest show we've ever played. Like we all expected it. Like we're like a, still a newish band in our mind. <laughs> and we're like, we're headlining this thing. Something's going to go wrong. It's going to rain. Right. People actually are just going to be like, they're not metal. Fuck yeah. off. Right. And literally it took until five minutes before we were going to play for us to realize like we're like peek our heads out. And we're like, holy fuck everyone's here there's like eighty thousand people here damn and everyone's chanting and shit and then it's sunny and we're like jesus christ this is going to happen right this is actually going to happen we're going to play this gig and it's going to be good and it was the best show we'd ever played awesome it was so fucking good and we we got it all on film and we released this documentary and i did the press for it and everything it came out in fucking cinemas like netflix picked it up in australia it was insane and then COVID hit and we do nothing for for a year like we start writing some music and stuff but we didn't play and all of that 17 years of like constant there's a tour in a month like it's still muscle memory mm-hmm. yeah. mental memory of like of the feeling of being on stage it drains away and yeah after a year like netflix picked this thing up and i'm like i'm gonna watch I'm gonna that documentary out, again right? i'm gonna <laughs> check it out and it's playing through and i'm looking at what we're doing as a band and i'm like what the fuck yeah, we were yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah, that is what was like. I'm, I'm getting Goosebumps. chills saying it yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Like it blew my mind because at the time of like putting it together and playing it, I was like, "This is another step." Yeah, but you don't like when you when when all of it like rewinds and you feel like you're back at stage one. You realize how far it's come. And I was looking at that. And it was in the middle of COVID when you haven't seen like two people standing within three meters of each other. Yeah. And I'm looking at like this camera pan of like eighty thousand people and fucking pyro going off and like a sea of humans <laughs> jumping up and down. I'm just like, whoa! Like amazing, we came man. that far. Yeah. Oh my god! Like. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever would have got a chance to appreciate like uh, like I that ever totally again. You've probably been on tour. Who knows? Yeah. I totally can relate. Yeah, to that. that's it. I mean, but the opposite way. Like, I think was flying back from this last tour or somewhere in like Europe, and we we're on a French flight, and and then I going through movies, and I'm like, what's what's this? It's like, wait a minute, is this Sepultura live? In wow. On, was the, on, on the movie, on the wow. screen. I was, like, I was like, I haven't seen this. And it was right before COVID. Yeah, no way. Like, the last show we played before COVID hit. But it was like a club gig. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I was Holy like, this is shit. what 
got me into music. Like yeah. it brought my head back. Like it was on the plane, like, bro. Yeah, on the plane. Wow. Yeah. People like jumping on each other yeah. on the stage, no barricades, crawling like, on each other. Do any of these type of shows, and it was just like, oh my god, we were so tight. It was so yeah. like fierce, you know, and yeah. just like not even thinking about it, just kind of like, yeah, I'm just doing it, you know, being yep. a part of it. I was like, oh my god, yeah, that's forgot that's about it that's that. it that's the vibe right, right. yeah it, t- it taps you back in yeah the, the last tour we did was the three years ago with gorilla biscuits agnostic front the wisdom and chains one oh, and, and everybody <laughs> holy talking, shit everybody on, line tour, up. everybody on the tour was like i don't care if this is our last tour this is the most incredible tour we've ever done together all on the bus together it was beautiful all the shows are great and that's the that was the main theme this is the best tour ever we're gonna retire after this who cares yeah and then as soon as we got home <laughs> everything <laughs> shut down so i am a little anxious to play it's been three years and actually yeah. play 12 shows in a row no days off uh, like, that's exciting it, though you know what warm I mean? the voice up yeah oh, i'm gonna do all that yeah. I'm my warm-ups. <laughs> yeah and i'm doing two sets i'm doing yeah. hazen street and h2 oh yeah. dude so it's like Double 24 duties. shows in 12 days hazen street man <laughs> yes <laughs> fuck <laughs> yes <you>. underrated like <laughs> underrated album that is fucking wow. awesome that album thank you man <laughs> oh that's all right it's like a first real european tour with hazen street too oh that's tight that's so, so sick yeah. it's exciting but, oh, I'm ner- yeah. but i'm nervous too just like you guys were talking about you know and i like going into the crowd and I love sharing the mic yeah. and yeah, I like yeah. jumping in the crowd. Of course, man. I'm just going to say, wait until that. Like, oh, yeah. Just, fuck, man. That that hour before it's time for you to hit the stage for the first time. I, I've never felt, I don't think I've ever felt nerves like that. Ever. Yeah. Since like, even since first show, like just knowing the energy is there and you're back. Yeah. And feel, like feeling that energy come back at that intensity. Like, oh, yeah. you're going to, you're, you're gonna have an experience and it's like, <laughs> you're gonna have an experience <laughs> and this yeah, so you know i, I kind of try to not feel the there's no way of feeling the void of playing live but like working out running skating whatever i'm doing is nothing compared it's to this nothing. feeling nah, nah. you know what it's, I mean? it's like, nothing no like it man and and it's when you really realize like what that is like what yeah. that connection and that energy that fucking spark in the room yeah. is and how it can't be replicated. Yeah. That's when yeah. you realize like what we were missing during COVID as well. Like yeah, it's one absolutely. thing to have it taken away, but then to have it like given back and you realize like, Oh fuck, it was this. Yeah. What, oh, what, what's the last, exactly, where's the exactly. last place you guys played in LA? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's an infamous gig. Like it was really? four. Yeah. Well, because the PA blew up halfway through our set and we couldn't Ooh, keep going. It was wow. the Palladium. And it was oh, um, wow. it was on like the it was like a Killswitch Parkway uh, co-headline tour, and it was like sold out Palladium. Wow! And it was wild, and we played like four songs, and then halfway through one of the songs, the PA literally exploded, the and Palladium, we could, wow! And we couldn't we couldn't continue, so uh, I, I just like sat there for two hours just saying worst. sorry to every single person, uh, and we haven't been able to come feeling. back as well. So every time we announce a tour, and people are like fuck yeah, you're coming back, and I'm like. Uh, yep, and then it was like, and it's been rescheduled, and it's been canceled, and it's been canceled. Like motherfucker. Well, the Wilton's an awesome venue too. Oh yeah, we played we played okay. the Wilton like once before as well, so I'm fucking stoked. I'm just dude at this point in time, like, I'm stoked to play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Full stop. Just full full fucking stop, man. Like that's yeah. the thing. So it's not like, co- like I'm coming back from COVID, just going arenas only. It's <laughs> if it if there's no pyro, there's no show. <laughs> I'm just I'm just psyched to do music. I'm just yeah. psyched. I, like going into every single like tour that we've done thus far, um, being like, you know what? I can rock up to these shows, and there can be one person, there can be no people, yeah. and I'll be standing on stage with four of my best friends, yeah, and our entire crew, which is my fucking family and my best friends, literally. And this is fun. 
Yeah. This is just fun. That's I feel it. like you guys are in such a good place now, man. It is. Like, it's, it's almost really like reborn in a sense coming out of this. 100%. 100%, man. Trial by fucking fire. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Cheers. And then also, uh, are you still vegetarian? Yeah. You're 40 years or something like that? Yeah, 40 years because I turned 40 this year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you were you vegetarian yep. most of your life? Yeah. Entire awesome. life. That's awesome. Oh, parents, parents were and they brought me up vegetarian. So. That's amazing. Yeah. I've, like I've... I've tried like i've literally like here's a big mac this is what it tastes like your nine-year-old friend hands you a big mac you're like <laughs> and <laughs> like ugh. so yeah and I, I just don't like i just don't it doesn't gel with me yeah it's just right. weird like like the, the the ethics as well for of of everything surrounding i'm gonna say just animal rights yeah is is something that's that's just where i see it ethically as well like i don't like i don't like making anyone or anything suffer right. Any yeah, of the yeah. Just other in band members. Um, our drummer is vegan, but I'm not sure how. Like, like he's a very ethical person. Yeah, and that's been mm-hmm. something like more recently within the last like ten years. And the other guys just do whatever they do. You know, it's a flashback now by hearing about Japan. There's this band from Australia. They're vegan straighters. They wear board shorts on stage. All this <laughs> They got these videos of them surfing. They wear flip-flops on stage. All this shit. Like, yeah. just hearing about you back then. Like, yeah, yep. Like the, the straight edge and the vegan part, not so much. But, <laughs> but, but I was quite vocal about my part in it in the sense of like, I had fucking X's on my hands all the time. Really? And I'm doing, dude, Girl, so, what, so. How old were you? Uh, this was this was like twenty, and I was still xing up hard with permanent marker, and it would stay there for like yeah. So, so you'll you'll love this one. So um, before before this band fully took off as well, like I said, we were, we were surfers. Like I I ride a, a bodyboard or a boogie board. Yeah. But I I I was and I am still really fucking good at doing that. Like that was I was semi professional. Yeah, that's that. I heard. That's what sponsored Dan told me. on tour like. I got two covers of magazines at that point in time. Sick. And the first one I got was the day after a Hope Conspiracy show in Byron. Nice. And I had these big fuck off X's on my hands. And this is this photo on the cover of this magazine of me in this barrel screaming. X'd up? (laughs) With an X on my hand. (laughs) (laughs) With an X on my hand. And and I I literally, like, the magazine, like, because that was, like, man, almost 20 years ago now. The magazine did a... um, did an article a, a couple of months ago and they were like, yo, when was that cover? And I was like, there was an X on my hand and I remember <laughs> that was from the Hope Conspiracy show so I can look up when that flyer was so it'll Damn. be within this range of time and they were able to find it because I knew when the X was drawn on my hand for the wow, Hope Con show. Like, yeah. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Reffing hard, dude. <laughs> so you've been straight edge doing now? Uh, yeah, I'm so, like, I still don't do anything. Wow. But it's, um, I mean, I, don't, I just don't really claim it. I just don't claim any. I don't claim anything. Yeah, right. I don't. I just I don't respect that. Yeah, I just don't like. For me, in general, I've. I just. I don't know. I like setting an example for people totally. in terms of like who I am as a person, and I, yeah. like if someone's like, "Hey, you seem like you're really happy, and you seem like you're in a good place. What do you do?" I'm like, "Well, this works for me." I like that, and and that's kind of it. But I don't. I don't like. I just don't like excluding people or alienating people because there's so much in this world that kind of divides people as it is. Um, yeah. But I definitely like credit my life and the way I live to f- fuck the choices that I've made and yeah. continue to make. Like, there's no. Yeah. I still don't see an advantage in, in in taking up like 
substances or altering my perception like i find yeah. reality fascinating and strange and weird enough as it is without like <laughs> changing the chemical without changing the chemicals in my brain dude no, I know, I <laughs> so love that's that. just the, that's just the way i roll but like it's not the same for everyone my reality is going to be completely different from every other person on this planet so who the fuck am i to yeah. enforce mine on someone else's i like doing that to like civilians and people like friends of my wife or family or people from parents from school like What's up with your skin? How come your skin's so good? How come you look younger? <laughs> well, this thing called veganism or yeah, straight yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah, the thing like, is, I haven't <laughs> drunk for like 20 years. and <laughs> i got a lot of friends who say that as well. And they're yeah. like, yeah, that being said, my skin is horrible now because I've been having so much sugar you since look, I came to America. You look, you look, you yeah. look good. Um, is your, your dad was a pro, pro boarder too? Yeah, yeah. He, um, he wasn't pro because he, like, he didn't compete or anything, but like he um, he's credited with like the way that boogie boarding like basically switched from what surfing was wow because it started riding a very different type of wave when my dad okay. started doing it like essentially um like there's there's very different waves that boogie boarders and surfers try and surf in general and yeah. boogie boarding generally is on waves which don't aren't liked by surfers because they're fucking gnarly okay like they're just it's and it's just gnarly and it involves a lot of negotiation for a lot less of a payoff um shorter waves heavier waves like waves on dry rock all of that kind of shit like that's why the boogie board was invented like yeah. the guy that designed it was like i can't ride those waves on a surfboard so i'm gonna ride something that gets me across the dry parts gotcha so my dad was from england and he moved to australia moved to canola and there's this wave called shark island yeah we're down shark island fucking shark island man <laughs> and there's like <laughs> there's no one out there at that point in time on these days where it's like Shark infested. No, yeah, I'm not going to say shark infested, but yeah. like, but heavy. Like this okay. is still a fucking heavy wave. Yeah. This place breaks bones and takes skin wow. like you would not believe. Damn. And he's like, no one's surfing it on those days. I'm going to go out and surf that. And he starts just surfing these like swell directions, which are like no one on any other type of board is surfing. And a whole bunch of other people saw him like younger kids and were like, fuck, you can do that on a boogie board. Let's go out and try to do that. And, oh, it, and wow. like, and it kind of pioneered that aspect of, of riding a boogie board where it wasn't That's just cool. like, I'm spinning around in circles and riding a little bit of white water. It was like, no, they're going the waves that the surfers can't go. Because in like the 70s and 80s, that's what it was. It was like it was surfers were riding in their, their way with certain type of boards and they literally could not ride the waves that my dad was riding. So, wow, so yeah, it was just doing gnarly shit. And yeah. he, he like, he taught me very early on, like he was like, if you don't go the wave, there's no way you're actually going to make the wave in the first place. Mm. Like you might go, oh, I might not make it. And he was like, well, if you don't go it, you're not going to make it. Right. And I kind of like have adopted that with most things. I'm like, if you don't try, you it's can't true. succeed. Like you've, you've, you've cut off any chance of success without having a go at something in the first place. Yeah. And I guess that kind of goes with the rest of this band stuff as well. And just like, if you don't actually just have a shot at it, you're never going to do anything. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing to have. In, yeah. Yeah. He's been a good dad. Is your dad still out there doing that or no? Nah, not anymore. Like he's very supportive of it, but his dad's almost 70. Now. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. actually he's like, it's it's more the skin side of things. He's got English skin and English oh. skin and Australian sun does not right. mix very well. Okay. <laughs> the, the melanin level is not high. Right. And the, the sunburn level and the skin cancer in Australia is fucking Off the chart. Dude. Yeah. Damn. So yeah. So his skin just breaks out a lot. So he just doesn't do it so much. Ozone alert. Ozone, yeah. yeah man yeah i think we got the ozone back a fair bit which is decent but it's just hot yeah like and there's and the ocean's salty and he's got bad skin but he still swims and stuff so yeah. that's awesome yeah still an active dude here's a random one do you have any regrets in your life i i regret like not having all of the things that happened with the band 
I I regret not having like realized that early on back then. Yeah, but there's never. But that's the thing. Yeah, like we we have grown up. I feel it. It feels really good now to be in an age where people like mental health and awareness is so much greater now than at any point in it time. It is, man. It really, really is, and I feel really cool, like about life moving forward, knowing that everyone that comes after us is going to be brought up in that world mm-hmm. because we weren't. And while I can sit here with hindsight going, man, we should have known that shit. We should have done this and done this better. There's a reason we didn't. Like we weren't brought up in a space that even acknowledged this as a, as a thing. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the only thing. Like there's, there's, a, there's a always things in your life where like, I, I, I wish I made better choices with like communication with my wife and stuff when I was away on tour and been a yeah. better husband or a better partner. Shout out to your wife, but man. Fucking massive shout out. Shout like, out to the wise man. Yeah, dude. Like <laughs> she is. Hold you down. Fuck. I can't even explain it, man. I can't even, I can't understand what it must be like to sit. If she goes away for one night, I'm, I'm like, I hope she gets there in that car. Oh, dude, same. Or sleep in the bed by myself. Just all that, bro. And I'm like, you're doing this for months on end. And, 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 and and you're, and at the start, like, I'm not even calling you like once a week. I'm calling you once a month because we can't afford it. And you're, and when I am, I'm like, Hey, we slept in a ditch last night. (laughs) Uh, last night, like last week, I couldn't afford to eat, so I just bought twenty four cobs of corn for five bucks, and I just ate corn for a week. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 like, what is going through ahead at that point in time yeah. in terms of my safety? Right. Yeah. Oh, holy shit. That's yeah. a real one, man. Shout out to your wife. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Over Thanks, twenty Jess. years. Yeah. Um, you can see yourself uh, optimist or pessimist. I'm I'm an optimist about. Yeah, I can tell that. I'm about mo- about most things, but like I, I think I'm an optimist because like the. The darker I'm, a, I'm able to exercise the dark, the darker parts of nature through the art, and I, I, I believe in the value of the darkness. That's yeah. the thing. Like yeah. I'm, an, I'm, I, th- I think I'm an, I'm, an, I'm an optimist because I've seen a lot of fucking darkness, mm. and and coming through and coming through it as, I mean, it's there's a difference between being blindly optimistic about just going everything's fucking great yeah. i have no idea and i refuse to acknowledge the darker aspects of yeah. of life and then there's like ha- like confronting those hard realities mm-hmm. and taking them on as part of life's experience and seeing what they what they mean like the the weight of grief and the weight of loss literally being the void left by a massive amount of love and all, yeah. and being able to ex- know, holy shit, I've been able to love that deeply. That that the crater is this deep when it's gone, like th- th- things things like that. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's like, I think it's 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 less about being a pessimist and an optimist, and more about, um, knowing how much of the spectrum of life I've been able to experience at this point in time. Yeah, I love that. Darker still. Yeah, man, that's what it is. Like it's, that's that's actually what it is. Like that album, the album title came from the concept of life only becoming darker and that the darkness isn't bad like the darkness is the unknown like when you're when you're born into the world it's pure light you are protected you're ignorant and you are loved and from that day forward you learn confusion and you learn loss and you learn consequence and everything you learn going on is another thing that will eventually you realize you will you will lose, you will risk all of yeah. those things. And it becomes darker and it becomes more complicated and it becomes heavier as you go. But all of those things 
make the light parts shine. Right. Like that's the thing. Like the thing. Beautiful. It's not the fucking like staring at the sun isn't great. It just makes you fucking blind. Like it's the yeah. fact that like it's I, w- I would rather stand in the like at, at there at night and be able to look at the stars than stand there and stare at the sun and be fucking blind. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I think that's how we ended. How we can end this one? Any questions, Eric? Yeah, oh man, I that mean, was that amazing, was amazing. It was pretty profound. Right it there. was very <laughs> profound. Um, did you write poetry when you were younger? No. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. The weird thing is, now I look back on it. High school, like English, it was the only thing I did well in, and I never realized it. And I didn't like it too much. I didn't like school too much in general. Yeah. But yeah, I, lo- I love writing. I love ex- yeah. I love expressing things. I love, I love the fact that. There is there is ways of creating um, poetry and expression and and written word that goes even deeper with music that can express something beyond what the simple language is intended to express. Yeah, yeah. Like that's 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 when you realize something something is special when you're like I I don't have a way of of expressing with with my own language and my own tongue what this feeling and emotion and this sense in life actually is. It's like a color that doesn't exist on the chart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you are able to describe it and describe the feeling of it. It's beautiful, man. Oh, I know. It's like a professor, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll take that. I'll say, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you have any more questions, deep for him? No, nope, that's it for that me. Was a, that yeah. was incredible, yeah. man. <laughs> You'll leave you with the color <laughs> wheel. <laughs> no, I, I, so, as both of you musicians, I know what it's like to, like, first and foremost, you flew from, like, another country. To, oh, you, flew, you want a boat. Now you I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. But this is your first day of tour in LA, and yeah. you took time to come out today, and I really appreciate yeah. it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank it's you. It's great, really, Super to cool. meet you and hang with you. I'm Dude, I'm sitting with two legends right now, so I'm, um, Stop. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm stoked to see you guys tonight. Cheers. And just and now, and actually knowing you, I, I love that. I love learning about people. And yeah, likewise. It's so cool, man. It's very cool. Thanks for having me. Of course. Buddies. And, uh, and uh, any more questions on my notes? Let me see. Let me double check my shit. Oh, real quick. Uh, you have any top five favorite artists or musicians? Oh or God, don't no. hit me with top five. Okay, okay, okay. No, I tell you what, my my number one biggest influence that I keep Let's that I keep it. yelling about is is um Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Okay, of course he's Australian. He's yeah, a legend. <laughs> he's my top five. Favorite. He's your t- he's my of course. All right, dude, all right, all right, all right. Top top one for me. And and here's the thing as well, which I'm gonna shout out. I like I've seen I've seen him play many times, um, especially since like Push the Sky Away and into like everything that's followed that. Derek's I, bummed. I genuinely feel as though we are living in an era with his creation and the entire band's creation and one else's creation that's the equivalent of like when fucking Beethoven was alive. Mm. And people wow. were creating that kind of music that like that is so so profound and so moving and so far forward in what is what is being created that it will be remembered in with that kind of reverence and it, and every time i see them live i'm like dude this is this is something else like this is really something else N- feel happy and humbled that you're in a lot li- you're alive when these artists are creating this wow. right now and i've never felt that about any other band it's something that is you got. You got to. You I got to deep dive into this guy, dude. You you yeah. really you really have to. No, I know like his songs. There's, but like. there's a there's a there's a and you have to see it live. If yeah. you want to see a fucking punk rock show as well, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds yeah. live. Seventy fucking years old. Going to the crowd is everything. Dude, he has it like he has a walkway onto the barrier. He plays the fucking set on the barrier. Sick. It's nuts. And I'm like, this is the level that's got to be. <laughs> you got to yeah. get to you. That's the setting the fucking so you, bar, man. So you guys like, would both be bummed at me that. 
I was standing next to him and I thought he was Rick Ocasek from the Cars. Fully bummed. And he was with Chris Martin and all I cared about was Chris Martin because I was oh talking to him. Oh my God. And he's standing there waiting by the car in front of Crossroads and he's oh all in black. I'm like, I looked at him and said, oh, he's with the guy from the Cars. Right. Little do I know that Chris Martin's tight with that fool. It's, um, it was such a crazy combo <laughs> that I, every person I told the story to like, you didn't say hi to Nick. I was like, I didn't know who it was. Oh I'm sorry, God. guys. That no, was a moment. That's, I, a, that's I, a true no, moment. That's cool. I still can't believe. I mean, I'm one of the biggest fans. I still haven't seen him. That's live. crazy. It's yeah, ridiculous. Dude. And I've, I've been a fan since birthday party. Yeah. And know everything. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his writing, and and it just like changed my life. You yeah. Know, it's like L- such li- a yeah, exactly. Integral part of like uh, my existence. Yeah, me know? too. Like, he's me he's too. phenomenal. I would definitely. He would be the one artist I would definitely freak out on. Like, yeah, wow, okay. I tell you what's really interesting. Starstruck. Have you ever met him? No, but we. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I do if I do it. Other than to I say, know. like, yeah. Yeah. I like. I I really would just say, I have you been? You're fucking yeah. rad. But but. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Like, but I mean, what else can you say? Like, that's the thing. But we did. Like, he did a tour called the Red Right Hand Tour, um, where he played venues, and it was just him and a piano and he just talked with the audience like he walked on stage played a song and then got up with mike was like i just want to chat like let's let's talk about life and everything and um the impression i got from him was just uh, a person yeah like an incredibly talented deep individual (laughs) but the way he interacted with everyone was just like a a person it's yeah. not like it's not what you would expect in like, inter- like that the aura surrounding that that human is um is intense yeah. in terms in just in terms of like you know when someone yeah. walks into a room and you're just like fuck man that <laughs> right. there's something about that person that is, yeah, that yeah, is something sure. else mm-hmm. but but it really like under uh, under that what you perceive that as was just right. like it's just a person who just wanted to talk and, and listen which is right. which is which was also what that made it so powerful right because they're like man the, the the music that he's creating now in terms of what he's dealing with is deep as it fucking gets how old is that guy 70 something i think or 60 wow. something does he have kids no 60 something yeah, yeah. complicated he had a couple of kids and two of them have died recently oh that's right oh my god that's right that's yeah right. okay no and that's what and that, and that's that, heavy i remember that there's some like the the last two records that were put out oh, oh yeah the last two bad seeds albums that were put out were Okay, dealing yeah, with I, that those journeys and if you and if you want to if you want a, an amazing spiritual listen fuck man holy shit okay <laughs> get on it, it. skeleton tree and ghost yeah I need, I need to deep dive in the cave for sure yeah, man. my yeah. wife loves them everybody know, oh, loves them yeah. you know when you get floored by something yeah like genuine like there were part there were parts of listening to ghostine for the first time where i felt my rib cage fall to the fucking floor Damn. like where i was listening and i was just like that air was sucked out of my lungs like listening to a lyric and i was just like Jesus. it kind of blew me away when i realized that he was from australia i had no a lot idea. of people say that i didn't know yeah. that till just now yeah, yeah. i yeah. mean i really was like no yeah right no i was like this dude knows yeah. a lot about a lot of stuff a lot of especially stuff. like I don't know, like um, american like black gospel yeah like i could yeah. feel this in his song and and it's I was like, this is, wow, he tackled it in a way where it's coming from himself, but having this love and appreciation for this style of music that's very specific. Yeah. And, and it was, it's, it's just mind blowing. Like he goes in so many different directions, but that specific direction 
was something that was very interesting to me, you yeah. know, and I was just like drawn to, yeah. you know, at an early age because yeah. I had yeah. to go to church. I, my mother was in the gospel choir. And so all of that just rang true when I was hearing. I was like, oh, my God, like, he's, uh, yeah, he's in it. Dude, man. the last he's the last couple it. of tours that he's done that I've seen, he's been um, opening with like a whole run of songs of like Let Love In with the with like four gospel backing singers oh, oh that's cool yeah. with the se- like sequined yeah, yeah, outfits yeah, yeah, and everything yeah. and the fucking vibe and it is so rad right. it is Damn. so rad <laughs> so oh, yeah anyway that's we my big that's my big that's my that's, that's, that's just fan girl yeah, that's, yeah. that's my number one and, and honestly everything else like <laughs> Tom Waits is my number Ooh. two powerful but like but uh, I like, get your vibe now because yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like there's, there's everything else under that is like fucking rad. But he's on epitaph too, Tom Waits. He yeah, was. I know. How much of a trip is that? <laughs> <laughs> How much of a trip is that, man? Yeah, but I don't think I'm ever going to get a chance to see him live. So and, I just and really don't. Did you grow up any hip hop at all? Or mostly. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, and that's like it's a that's a big influence as well. Like uh, a lot of fucking like Wu Tang and Nas and yeah. yeah like that's, I really like the like the um the what is it fucking before the the analog kind of stuff mm-hmm. like the analog like fucking crate scratch and like like the analog sound yeah uh, i really love like i still love modern modern stuff as well like um i was a massive fan of kanye's music before like he's going through whatever the fuck he's going through right. now yeah but the dude's been a fucking visionary in terms of sound absolutely and just yeah. anything like i Anything lyric based, I find. I can awesome. see that with you. Yeah, I, can, yeah. I connect with right. words, man. That's yeah. the thing. But but Wu Tang, I always love because like the the beats and the samples Incredible, are fucking man. awesome, and yeah. the tone, the tones of the voices, mm-hmm. uh, like all I- different stuff. Yeah, iconic. Yeah, fucking iconic. So yeah, yeah. we just got to see Wu Tang live together yeah. a couple of months ago at the Hollywood Bowl with Buster Rhymes and oh, Nas. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was surreal, Fuck, man. And the oh, crowd was like so diverse and young and oh, always yeah. beautiful yeah, outside. Yeah. It was just freaking. It was sick. One of the greatest rap shows I've seen probably Definitely. in my life. Hands down. And yeah. they killed it too. They're all yeah. in their fifties. It's like yeah, fuck yeah. Oh yeah. It's of course, because they're talented. That's the thing. Like yeah. their talent doesn't die. <laughs> talent, like yeah, talent doesn't die. Homeboy, seventy-five. He said, yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. Oh man, Winston, thank you so much, man. Oh, this pleasure. has been so good, and I um, uh, appreciate your time. Thanks for being and sharing your story with us. And Thanks for having me, man. Looking much forward to seeing what you guys are up to next and everything. Yeah, me too. Should be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to try to get therapy for my band. I'm just going to say the last thing in the pod. It'd be okay. nice to do it. I want you to run to try All right. it. Yeah. Okay. Hit it okay. up. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Peace. I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now, and I can't stop. I've had lazy treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other, and that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out, swipe the credit card, don't really tell me much, didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen, so I never went back. So, as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm that looks like a big black blob is now super light, I've had two sessions, I have a long road ahead of me, none of this stuff happens overnight, you cannot take a tattoo up in one sitting, you have to be patient, and it's painful. They ice you up, it's super fast, to me it felt like a bunch of rubber bands, But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm 
slowly going to get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to Removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 remover treatments done. 100 locations. U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art peak-away laser technology. Cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do in these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code TobyH20 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out. Yo, people always ask me what kind of frames I'm rocking. I've been rocking Caddis for a couple years. They make amazing progressive readers, which I wear. Also, they make sunglass readers, anti-glare, anti-smudge coating, anti-scratch, and anti-aging. That's why I look mad young when I wear them. I'm just kidding. Um, but they make amazing frames. Caddis, so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast. You can go to caddislife.com slash Toby10 and get $10 off your first purchase. Stoked. Thank you, Caddis. Welcome to the fam. Yo, yo, Liquid Death. Thank you so much for hydrating all my guests. Taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water. Love your brand. Love what you stand for. Love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst. Stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives.